0: So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast.
1: Because I love the idea of like, if I just give you this kernel, this tiny little hint here, is that enough? Do you need more than that? Yeah. Like, what? What else do I need to say for you to get it?
0: Hello to my frame chasers. It's Wednesday. Actually, it's not Wednesday. It's NAB week, and you already know what it is. It's a new episode of Chasing the Frame. It's a special week for y'all, actually. It's NAB week, first of all, again. And I got a special guest today, one of many this week, Ryan Connolly of Film Riot. Ryan, how are you?
1: I'm good. How about yourself?
0: Dude, it's Wednesday. Well, we're recording on a Wednesday. Oh, no, it's Thursday. I don't even know what day it is anymore. But we're recording today, (laughs) and it's wonderful, and I love it. And it's a beautiful day, actually, in Las Vegas, so I can't really complain.
1: Right on. So, yeah, man. I, I I bet it's uh it's cold here in Texas.
0: Uh, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but before we start the episode, we have to take care of some housekeeping items first and foremost. First off, we got to thank our affiliate partners Artlist.io. Artlist is the powerful music licensing platform created by filmmakers for filmmakers with thousands of new songs and a full year of unlimited downloads. You can find exactly the music you need for your project. Music licensing is often complicated, expensive mess, which slows us down and gets in the way of the creative process. By offering direct and unlimited access to our entire catalog of inspiring music for a single annual subscription fee, we believe that Artlist is the solution. If you join with our affiliate link today, you'll get one year with two extra months free. So check that out. Check out that link in your descri- in our description and join artlist.io an inspiring music licensing platform. Created by filmmakers for filmmakers. Second, we got t-shirts, 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 dimension t-shirts at tspring.com/slash stores slash chasing dash the dash frame. And last but not least, it's that time of the show where I ask you, the listener, if you like to donate to the cause. It's up to you. No pressure. As long as you are getting valuable information. That's what I'm most happy about, to be honest. So you guys can go to paypal.me slash CTF podcast cash app at jdemarco3. Also, we are accepting Litecoin and XRP donations on YouTube, so we are keeping good faith into cryptocurrency because hey, it's the future. Let's be real about it. It's 2020, guys. Plus, it doesn't have to be one whole Litecoin and right now XRP is like dirt cheap at the moment. It's like, at the time of recording, like under 30 cents so you don't have to send one whole anything you can send like 25 cents if you like honestly or whatever thirdly uh you can donate while listening on anchor on our homepage there so let's get to it who's ready, right at chase frames today so ryan first question i ask everyone on the show is where are you from originally
1: i am from florida i grew up in uh south florida um and then i i went to film school in orlando okay back to south florida um, and I started Film Right in South Florida, actually. And then I moved out to Texas about, God, uh, I think
0: it's seven or eight years now. It's, it's funny because I, I think eight. It was funny because I was driving out on my way home today from work and I was like, where did Film Right start again? Because I remember him moving to Texas <laughs> and I remember this like, it's like been 10 years since I like, remember seeing this. And I'm like, oh my God, Like I remember him talking about this and moving to Texas. And now I don't remember where it started, but now I remember. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, it, it feels really weird that uh, Film Ride has existed longer in Texas than it, than it did in Florida. It, it feels like the o- opposite. Like, emotionally, it feels like the opposite. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think we've I think we done six years in Texas
0: wow. and almost three years in Florida, I believe. Holy moly. Are- so the second question I ask everyone on the podcast also is, what is that movie, TV show, director, actor, maybe book? It I don't know what it is for you, but what was it that spoke to you and you said, this is the business I want to get into. I I don't know what
1: the initial kernel was. Mm. Um, I mean. Y- I, it's it's it was in the beginning. It was just I liked entertaining my family. I just couldn't mm. get around this. You know, I, I was just obsessed with uh, you know doing little plays for them and whatever. Yeah. My dad brought home the camera, and then you know the idea of seeing through a lens and getting people to see the joke I was trying to tell or the moment yeah. I was trying to show and through my perspective, you know, because when you when you're in a living room doing a little play, they're not really seeing the perspective you want. Which I mean, I couldn't articulate this as, yeah. as a kid, but like looking back, that's definitely what was happening. Because yeah. even then, it was like oh, they don't. See I remember thinking as a little kid, I, like they're not seeing why it's funny. How and, old were you at that so, time, if I may ask? Uh, my mom says six, but oh. that seems young to me. I'm gonna, <laughs> so I always say eight.
2: Okay, that's um, fine.
1: But it was definitely right around there. It was definitely before 10, You know, around the yeah. eight-year-old eight range
2: because
1: um, mm. you know there are home videos to prove it. <laughs> uh, and so my parents just let me take the camera and remember this. So I started yeah. making short films and, and whatever I didn't know they were called short films at the time. I just, I, I called them like, uh, I don't even remember what I called them, but they're my, my little movies. You know, yeah, I was just yeah.
2: obsessed
1: with uh, with movies too. And then when I saw Jurassic Park when I was 11, mm-hmm. that was an experience like I'd never had before. My, my parents were real strict about what we could and couldn't see when we were yeah. younger. And so if they would have known what Jurassic Park was, there's no way they would have let me see it at 11. <laughs> so I was very happy they didn't know because it was the first time I ever felt like such extreme,
2: um, yeah.
1: you know, uh, uh it's such an extreme like emotional reaction to yeah. a film like that this larger than oh my god those dinosaurs are real i know they're not real but there mm-hmm. it is right in front of me it you know, feels it real. such an, a magic trick yeah, yeah. and, and it, it was such a magic trick it's such a gift to the even watching i remember mm-hmm. even as enthralled with the film that i uh that i was at the time mm-hmm. i remember looking around at the other faces looking at the screen because i had never felt yeah. this way about a film before so looking at how they were looking at the screen and then you know that clicking of like this somebody did this for us you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah. and uh, and just the unsafe in a safe place and you know you know that that really is what had the biggest impact on me to really sort of lock me into okay what's the job that does that uh-huh. uh, okay it's the director yeah it's a spielberg guy who's that <laughs> and then i just became completely obsessed with spielberg um after that so it's like you know if, if i could boil it down to mm. one person it would ultimately be spielberg for sure who's always been like my biggest inspiration e- even just as a person yeah. you know if you just watch him as a you know as a business person as a creative collaborator you know yeah. through how talk about him through interviews and stuff i just think he's he's been uh, an amazing influence to the industry just yes. all around
0: I-, I agree with you uh hook is one of my fir- one of the ones that did that for me as well like there's Ghostbusters and Back to the Future too that I watch religiously but Hook is I think that movie for me as well Spielberg oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: what kid didn't chant Rufio non-stop after the, that movie came out <laughs> I,
0: I mean honestly I, I, I'm gonna be honest I, at three years old when that movie was out for me I tried to fly and I went down <laughs> the driveway on my bike and I hit the curb just to think I could fly and let's just say that didn't happen
2: <laughs> I did the
1: same thing but okay. not from that I was a little too old when that movie yeah. came out, <laughs> but uh, when it was, oh man, it was an old Disney movie called The Boy Who Could Fly. Okay, I don't remember the movie at all. I just remember at one point he's on top of the house and he jumps off and flies. So, I thought that if I really believed I could fly, so I I like jumped off like this really tall dresser and busted my lip because you know, as it turned out, I couldn't fly. But I
0: I, I feel your pain, I I feel your pain, man. I feel your pain. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah,
0: so also, I have to ask you, did you go with your parents to see Jurassic Park? Because I feel like if they saw the trailer, they should know that you shouldn't go see this as a child if they're very strict about things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They, I was like a dinosaur freak, okay, and the trailers didn't really show very much like yeah. you saw dinosaurs and and it felt like you know there was like a wonder about mm-hmm. it and it did feel like uh you know it got a little yeah. scary but it didn't i remember the trailers didn't look like you know it got as uh, borderline horror movie as it as it actually does know, ending, yeah. it's not really a horror movie or anything yeah. but it definitely has those elements um but no my mom i think we saw like a matinee so my dad was working and my okay. mom took my younger brothers and sisters to see whatever animated film was oh. next to the showing of that. Gotcha. Um, and I saw it with uh, my older brother and I think um, my older sisters as well.
0: Gotcha. That's cool, man. And then on top of that, dude, did you read Jurassic Park later on in life or did you like say, I can't read this cause I don't know. I don't want to be like touching sacred text in a sense.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. I read it. I okay. read it later on. Um, I uh, God, it wasn't that long ago. Like, 10 or so years ago. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a long time ago, but it was a long <laughs> time after um, my love for the film. But yeah, I've never really been like that either, like mm. whereas a different version of something taints the other, you yeah. know? It's yeah. like uh, someone said on Twitter the other day that they didn't like the originals of something. Like they can't enjoy the originals of something anymore thanks to the new versions. Oh. And um, huh. I, I just – I've never understood that. It's like it doesn't alter your experience of, you, you know, the – it's a totally – I mean, it makes as much sense to me as like being like, "Oh, I didn't like Indiana Jones, so it ruined Jurassic Park for me." Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's two different
0: things. You can't do that. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, it do- it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's like it's, it's a different movie, man.
0: <laughs> so, so, so going back to your childhood too. So you're running around with a camera and you're you're making these things that you called. Not like you didn't call them movies, but you called them something else. And like, so are you I, doing
1: I think the- I probably did call them
0: oh, movies. Okay. <laughs> so did you do that with your, uh, your family, your brothers and sisters, or were you done with friends that also, and then on top of that too, what, like, what did you like think about? Like, what were you thinking about when you're doing these? Like, Oh, it's just cool. And this like, Oh, maybe this shot, like shot, like there's no way of knowing shot composition and all that stuff in that regard. <laughs> Well, I would, I would try to replicate stuff.
1: So okay. I would watch, like, um, you know, it would usually be, not always. Like, <clears throat> it was yeah. definitely brothers and sisters for the most part. Usually my younger brothers and sisters because mm-hmm. they just thought everything I did was cool. So they were totally yeah. down to, like, <laughs> be my actors and, and myself. Whereas my older brothers and sisters, you know, were bored of it most <laughs> of the time. So uh, Friends did it every now and again. Mm-hmm. But definitely early on, not so much. Everybody thought it was boring. Yeah. Um, it, it would be pretty rare when they would get together to do it um because because then it would be like it, it would seem super cool to do but then once we were doing it, it was mm-hmm. taking so long then they would not want to do it anymore yeah. so but I my it. little brother I, w- I made so many like action films with like my four-year-old brother <laughs> and you know like six-year-old sister you know um and it was a lot of i, I talk about movie magic a yeah. lot uh, and that that was an old discovery channel show which was behind the scenes of uh, mm-hmm. films yeah so uh a, sorry I just totally got distracted But it was behind the scenes of film But they're like these major blockbuster films mm-hmm. um, uh, it, Like uh, Terminator 2 yeah. And Independence Day And Got a blank.
0: I think Speed was one of them. Oh my God, and, well, I missed this show. I totally missed out on this show. I feel like. Oh, they're
1: online, dude. You, oh. you just go to YouTube. Uh, they're they're like there's so many. I don't know if all of them are online because it yeah. was on TV for quite a while. Okay. I think I think three seasons at least, and then they brought it back. I would have to look, but I just adored this show. And yeah. you, you know, they're showing these major blockbuster movies, but they're showing the the concepts behind how they made you know these things work. So the the first um idea of force push. Perspective yeah. And miniatures and things like that. Right. Um, I found out through this show. Mm-hmm. And and so um, I started utilizing those ideas in any way that I could. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mission Impossible was coming out. So now I'm trying to do a Mission Impossible type thing. And so I did, I broke a, a firecracker apart <laughs> and then made a line and lit that to oh, do <laughs> the wick, you know, shot and, you know, things that probably weren't the safest. Uh, um, but, <laughs> you know, whatever.
0: Are you sure um, you want to do any special effects? as a child instead.
1: <laughs> I do. I do. I like to do a little bit of all of it at the time. And I love, I talked about it recently. I don't remember where I talked mm-hmm. about it, but um, I'm, I'm really happy that, that I did the things that, how I did it when I was so young and there was so little technology yeah. because now it, it, it's, you know, it's, I think it's taken for granted what you can accomplish with things that are so readily available and also, yeah. like there's free software out there that, absolutely demolishes the most expensive software that was out at the time because yeah. there, i mean there was you, done out when i first started you, so, you know
0: it's funny because me and my friend were just talking so to cut you off we we're just talking about like the video that oh, came yeah. out about um the irishman with deepfake and and like the de-aging process they use in netflix and like the deepfake looks 10 times better than the the netflix version
2: oh really you thought so yeah i thought I, so because um, i
1: like the younger the, the it, it, the deep fake version just didn't work for me. It was like it it obviously looked like a deep it kind of looked like somebody cut somebody's face off and put yeah. on somebody oh, else's. So, yeah. oh, yeah. right. yes, <laughs> I agree
0: there, but I think if if they if they utilized the deep fake and like blended that that uh, that Netflix technology they used, I think it would have been better cuz like uh, like you know, De Niro still looks 50 when they age, de age him to like the 30 or 20 whatever it is in The Irishman.
1: Yeah, I think my problem, my problem with that stemmed to you know uh, the structure of his body, mm-hmm. the way he walked, the way yeah. he carried himself, the the width of his face now, ears. You know, I mean, there's yeah. so many things that I mean, at the age that they are, you're not going to be able to you know take them back to thirty. True. Uh, unless you you know have just a a body double yeah. and then do a deep fake or something, maybe. That would have been the way to do something like that, but I mean, the, the technology is insane. Yeah, it went. that's true. Um, but yeah, but yeah, back in the day, it was just um, it was often just making things up as mm. I went, and, and and I'm 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 sure you know you you might have done it where you, where you have like a like a VHS camera, and, and the way that you edit is just by stop and starting yes. inside a camera. That's your yes. editing. That was my <laughs> yeah.
0: editing. Yes.
1: Yeah, and then I did you <laughs> classic know, the VCR thing. I did that as well, mm. and um, if I ever wanted to put music to it. Uh, I, I would just listen to like the speed soundtrack over, yeah. and over and over and over and over and over again while I'm picturing what we're about to shoot okay. and then we go shoot it. And, and I think that accidentally taught me a lot about pacing okay. because I would be trying to match the music. And then in the end, after a while of doing it, I got used to doing it and it started to match the music. And I think, uh, subconsciously that kind of started infusing a sense of pace to a scene, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. Um, whereas now it's, you know, you know, it's all the possible options you can possibly yeah. have. And I, and I think it often, uh, this has nothing to do with your question, but I think it often, it's
0: fine. We have uh, on tangents, by it, the way, this is a yeah. show with tangents.
1: <laughs> Perfect. But I think it leads to, you, you see in comments, um, we'll, we'll put out a short film mm-hmm. and the comments are all these defeatist comments of like, well, yeah, look at the crew you had and the money you had and yeah. the gear you had, and the lens you had. I was watching James Cameron. Uh, you know, making his groundbreaking, you know, film, you know, uh, uh, industry altering movie. And that never entered my mind. It was, man, that's so cool. How could I do that with what I have? It's about, it's about the concepts. Mm -hmm. And that's what we try to push. Yeah. Is don't, don't think about the camera think about the concept why why is it where, because we always say put you know an iphone in the hands of roger deakins and give me an alexa with the greatest lenses on the planet the iphone footage from roger deakins is going to look a thousand you know a million <laughs> times better than anything i produce True, so unless you, know, you don't give him lights <laughs> no, it'll still be better. <laughs> That's Roger Deakins, man. You don't need nothing. True. <laughs> He's got it. I would love to see a face off
0: uh, with Gordon Willis and Roger Deakins. Like I would love to see like a DP face off. I, I think oh that would be my, my I think I I think I cry.
1: And, <laughs> that'd be really interesting. Just to just to see how they um how they light it differently, how they go uh, about uh structuring
0: it differently. Yeah would be
1: very interesting but yeah it's, it's all about the concepts mm-hmm. and um before you know all that technology was just right at your fingertips um that's really all you had was the concepts. so uh you know that was definitely a huge help for me as well mm-hmm. um just focusing on the concepts because there was no other choice whereas you know now i think that can be a hurdle for some people is is getting past that yeah um, i can see that so it's all, all very interesting, which
0: had none of that had anything to do with your question, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> no, I think it, it does. I think it, it it leads itself to it in a sense. So I think it's fine. Don't worry. It makes sense somehow to someone out there. Uh, so
2: <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> but um, in so then as a child, you're growing up and then in high school, did you have like a video production class at all or anything of that nature? Or was it didn't have that uh, in there to continue your dream of filmmaking?
1: No, I went to a. Uh, there was a youth group that mm. I was already doing um, like video for for forever, and yeah. parents was in this youth group. And then I was like, "Hey, I can do videos. Can I, can I do videos? <laughs> 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 you know?" And they let me. Um, and they let I got away with a lot because I, you know, I did a lot of stuff that yeah. I had. I had like stoned characters. I had guns and, wow. and violence, and uh, I mean, the stone characters were implied. So I'm not sure that they got the joke which might be how I got away with it
0: you um, user pushed but, uh, boundaries in a youth group just saying I
1: did <laughs> I did there was like innuendos yeah. and crap uh, I got away with almost all of it there was yeah. only like once or twice that uh, I got censored but um, for the most part I got away with it um, but that was a really great training uh-huh. because it was like, you know, a weekly thing and it, it was a decent sized uh, youth group it was like I don't know like 300 or so kids oh, wow. maybe and um, And so I, you know, I wasn't making a video a week, but uh, I I made a lot of videos and Mm. some stuff just bombed horribly and some stuff. It was usually comedic, but, you know, similar to Film Riot, um, I've always used comedy as like this safety net to be able to try ideas. So it's comedy, but trying a concept. So I would do like a horror comedy, but I'm trying the concepts of horror. Like, can I... Can I actually get them to jump? Even though this is a comedy, and 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 um, you know, and if it doesn't work, that's fine. It's still funny, and people yeah. enjoy it. So it's able to safely try, you know, and, and learn on these concepts. So watching, you know, kids jump out of their seats because you know a jump scare actually mm-hmm. did work. Whatever it was the laughs worked, the pacing worked. You could really feel like when it was draggy and people were bored versus, and and that was a a, a huge education for me because it was immediate feedback. Because I never went around asking people what you think, yeah, it didn't. That wouldn't have been helpful. I just sat in the back and watched everybody watch it, and that was kind of uh, one of the best film schools for me. Is yeah. constantly doing stuff for an audience that I could then just watch back live, and you know,
0: wash, rinse, repeat,
1: pretty yeah. much. And, and uh, that really helped when I went to film school. Um, just that education it gave me.
0: Now, in, in film school, did you – did because you, I, I know in film, certain film schools that, like, people have, like, tra- like paths they want to take, like, director or, like, cinematographer. You know, no one's really looking for being a gaffer or a grip or those things, that, which I read in a book once. Um, but would you go specifically – were you, like, I'm going to be a director. I want to follow this path in, in film school as a director or, like, producer? Wh- how, what, what was your path that you wanted to take at the time in, in a film school?
1: My dream was to be a grip. The oh, best- Really? i'm I'm kidding kidding. okay
0: hey no hey man whatever floats your boat i'm not gonna judge you or anything like that no judgment no judgment zone here
1: no i i wanted to be a director um you know i I just i'm you know i always i just wanted to be spielberg whatever he was that's what i wanted to do um and then you know there was a lot of time where i got discouraged and Mm -hmm. i was like because i've always been very visual yeah and um you know that can be the danger of some you know, film school snobbery or whatnot of, you know, talking down to certain aspects of, you know, you have people talk down about Marvel movies. Yeah which is just nuts because, all right, maybe it's not your cup of tea, but it's still artful. And yeah. it's still, you know, it's like I. this is another tangent. But, you know, with like Marvel films, go and sit in a theater and watch the audience. Yeah. Watch what it does to that audience. Watch how they're gripping that audience. Watch what this movie means to that audience. Yeah. And you know, to talk down about that and call yeah. say that it's not art is just insanity to me. Yeah. Um, you can't have that much of an emo- emotional impact and not be, you know, again, might not be your cut, cup of tea, but you know, it, they're, they're, you know, terrific pieces of work that do, do a lot for people.
0: So, I actually did that in Infinity War. I went three times to see Infinity War and like the first time I enjoyed it for myself. The second time I enjoyed it for my friend because I wanted to see his reactions to everything. <laughs> and then the third time I watched it just to see what the audience was doing.
1: And... I mean, Infinity War. um, You know, no, I'm I'm not huge on all superhero films, but I have no problem with superhero films. But the Russo brothers' uh, films, like uh, specifically Civil War, Mm -hmm. uh, Winter Soldier, and Infinity War, just really blew me away. Most specifically with Infinity War, because the the interweaving of so many huge characters and things that are happening at once and so often um, you know when a film tries to do that it just feels like too you know people say it all the time too too many ingredients in the, in the stew you know and it did not feel that way everything felt serviced and paced extremely it was just incredible I but just they thought- also
0: were ensemble directors as well they did like all, most of the community episodes if, if I'm mistaken or like a handful of them so they
1: I think so, yeah. Yeah.
0: So like I think uh, they would probably have that good the hand on the hand on the uh grip there knowing how to I guess work the ensemble well.
1: Sure, sure, but uh you know the inner the inner weaving of the story elements oh, okay. is what really blew me away most is just the way that they were able to you know structure that yeah. and and uh and pace that. It's just it's just really uh really incredible and um, some of my favorite films are, you know, like some more art housey type films for mm-hmm. sure. Like especially last year, uh, like things like The Lighthouse. Oh,
2: yes, uh, blew me
1: away. I loved it. But the thing is, you know, people you talk so highly about films like that. Mm-hmm. But I have never been in a film, uh, a theater for a film like that, and saw an audience react like they reacted in Endgame and yeah. Civil, uh, Civil, um, not Civil War, uh, Infinity War. Uh, not saying one's better than the other. Um, they're totally different things. Yeah, yeah. But I guess I guess my point is um, to dismiss the emotional response that those films elicit from an audience. It's just crazy to me.
0: You know what's uh, funny, actually, too? Like you mentioned that, like the light. You kind of compare the Lighthouse and the Infinity War. The one that did that for me, where I've seen an emotional response, and I'll never forget this, is actually the Amityville Horror remake with Ryan Reynolds in it. Oh, really? I should, I sh- you know, I saw the, like an audience in a the movie theater in New Jersey where I'm originally from, and like people were like scared and screaming. And like one kid actually jumped out of a seat and like ran out the theater. Like, I- I'm not making Dude, that up.
1: I- <laughs> that, same, that same movie I saw with a bunch of friends, three of my friends left the theater. Yeah. I did, did not make it through the movie.
0: And and the crazy thing is, no one like ever. I don't think anyone appreciates that movie at all, which is insane. I, I love that
1: movie. I mean, you know, it's not without its faults. Yeah, uh, but
0: but you never I, hear I, about I it anymore. In a sense, you know, what I mean, I feel like if you, I don't hear about it. Maybe I'm just not like listening for people to talk about it. That's true. No, I, I don't. I don't ever really hear about it either. So, so uh, going back to college. <laughs> so, oh right, yeah. <laughs> the
1: question. Yeah, I knew I wanted to be a director, um, but while, while there, because I was, I'm, I'm, I'm a very visual director. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like my strength. Yeah. Uh, the other aspects of it, were things I had to work on over time. Mm-hmm. Um, after a while, it was like, man, am I a, am I a cinematographer and not yeah. a director? And and so there was a a little bit of lack of confidence in me finding my, my path. But by the end of uh, my time there, I, you know, I knew for sure. No, I'm a director. I can't, I can't not be the one telling the story because it's that yeah. idea of perspective. You know, it's that idea of like, you know, expressing yourself through mm. this thing and and trying to get people to see the thing that you're trying to. see. So, you know, being the one at the helm of of the story has always been the thing I'm most passionate about for sure.
0: Yeah, and and then also too, like it being. Being that visual director, you know, working with actors, I guess, in college, what was it like working with them, you know, working on sets in college? Like, you know, were you working mostly by yourself? Were you working with a crew? How, what was that uh, like for you? It, it was always a
1: crew mm. as far as it comes to like um, the the school projects. Like we did a digital film, yeah. uh, did a 16 millimeter, two 16 millimeters, I think, mm. and uh, a 35 millimeter film. Um, so it was always crew um, and there was always cast involved. We had to, you know, we had to cast them. Mm. It was all local actors that would come in and read for them. And, and do a lot. I've always enjoyed working with actors. Um, uh, I've never had too much trouble with that. You know, of course mm. it's a learning curve. Yeah. But I think that probably comes from doing so many things with so many people who are non-actors that once it gets to actors, you have to do so much less. Um, and it becomes way more just a collaboration. Um, especially nowadays with the the actors I've been lucky enough to, to work with um, you know, you, you're not, you're just getting on the same page more than anything else. Just like you are a cinematographer and they're bringing, you know, their talent to the table to, to bring certain things to life. But um, in film school, yeah, it was definitely a matter of um, you know, trial trial and error. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, even though I would definitely consider myself um, very much a visual director, I always really enjoyed Working
0: with
1: with actors that until was, they were like you know bad. That was and actually man, my next I question for you too.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> stole the thunder a little bit for me.
2: Oh, well, what was the question? Uh, I was going
0: to ask you next. Um, what was your st- what's your style of directing like? Because I know there's more creative slash technical directors in a sense, and then uh, directors who a- are more of an actors director. And and you, I know you mentioned you're visually, uh, you know, a director, but you're also like working with the actors. So what do you lean towards something more like, or do you say you're basically both? You just find that good balance between them.
1: I think that I've been able to strike a balance. Finally. I, I I feel more well-rounded now. Um, because I've spent a lot of time, um, trying to shore up the things that I thought, um, that I lacked a little bit or, or, you know, you needed more experience in. Mm -hmm. And that was heavily a part of, I've talked about film. I've talked, I've talked about on film. I just, um, like my five-year plan I, I always call it um and and the films that i did were specific to leading to a place which of course that place is feature films um be it you know if i you know land a pitch with a studio or if i ultimately just make my first feature on my own it's all the same stuff that i need experience in so the yeah. films that i made were strategic toward that so mm-hmm. you know um God, I think it was 19 or 2015, 2015 mm. or 16. I did my first like uh, five. There were these action segments. I, they're not even really short films. I think we called them short films, but they're not short films. They're like these little action sequences. Yeah. But they were a lot of fun, and I went out to uh, Canada to to work with um, some friends out there who, you know, I met because of Film Riot. And they're, you know, it's a stunt team, stunt coordinator, yeah. and they worked with, you know, Spielberg and, and Robert Zemeckis. And, all, you know, they were working on War of the Planet of the Apes at the time, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was working. It was one of the uh, the Apes films. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was it, Warcraft, maybe? Oh. I can't I don't um, so, uh, so, so there were a legit stunt team and I had never worked with a stunt team before. Yeah. So that was like the main focus of that one is figuring out what is this process, you know, yeah. what do they need? How do they work? How do I communicate and collaborate with them? Um, and I learned a lot from that and that, that's an example of kind of what I, I put toward with every single one. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, actors is very similar, you know, I, I waited till I kind of had a handle on, um my sets and, and things were running really smoothly. And then I started reaching out to actors that intimidated me a little bit, working with them, um, and shoring that up, uh, as well. So it's been kind of like a step-by-step process, uh, that has kind of made me feel pretty well-rounded. I mean, you know, I kind of lean toward, Oh, I'm just a, uh, a visual director yeah. but you know the actors that i've worked with i'm an actor's director um so i mean you know i i'll just have to take their word for it and um i'd say i'm somewhere in the middle especially when i just we just did there comes a knocking yeah and with that one once we were on set um chase and i uh because we had such a shorthand at that point we had just done ballistic together mm. and our style lines up so perfectly um we kind of just get it at mm-hmm. the same time and he really understood what I was going for. We had a night nice, for the first time ever. I had a nice amount of prep time with yeah. my DP, which we had we had some prep time with um, ballistic, but not a ton. This mm-hmm. this one we had a good amount of of time to prep and really get on the same page. So I really didn't have to focus much on the technical when we were on set because that was pretty much locked in before time with my with my um with my crew with my collaborators behind the camera so while they were putting together the decisions that were already made i could go and and you know work with my actress and really talk that through and, and figure that out um so there was a that shoot i leaned uh, a little more toward uh, actors director than technical director mm-hmm. um because i didn't have to worry too much about the yeah. technical that one which was wonderful i really enjoyed that
0: Nice and, and um, there's a lot of information throwing out. I'm trying to like, <laughs> I'm trying like the. Sorry, <laughs> I was like, wait, hey, <laughs> It's okay. I was like, oh my god! Now I I just blanked out for a second too. I'm like, oh shit, wait! I, I had a question <laughs> and I had a follow-up. <laughs> Damn it! Um, I want I want to actually talk about there comes a knocking later on. Um, so I'm trying to go through your like the journey a little bit here before we get to there. So, <laughs> so let me uh, so then at, let me go after college then to. So did you get like did you did you start right away with Triune Films or did you get like into some gigs first and then you made that because uh, it's I guess a three part question is like you know how'd you come up with Triune Films and then like you know did you plan Film Riot ahead of that because you know they're only two months and eight days apart from each other on the YouTube pages and then how'd you come up with Film Riot.
1: Triune was a name that I had since I was in um, that youth group. It was a name that my, my older brother came up with, and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Triune films. What does yeah. it mean? And I looked it up, and it was like a three in one. And I've always wanted to do film, music, and publishing, okay. know, and and things like that. Uh, so I was like, that's perfect. That's, yeah. you know, that's what I want to do with three and one. Um, so that name just stuck. I just carried with it. I carry carried it through with me. And then after uh, film school, um, I started doing some some uh, freelance work and such. So uh, I just was doing, you know, a DBA. As, yeah. Uh, Trying films, not uh, an LLC yet. I didn't become an LLC till uh, uh, Film Riot was actually taking off, and we did the deal with um, Revision Three. But after that, um, I I had like three jobs at one point, just trying to get gear, raise enough money to get gear, that was able to do some stuff and put together sort of a reel. And then that ended up getting me a job uh, at uh, Alienware. I I, I ran their video production studio, which they're the gaming division of Dell. And then um what was, there, what was that like the
0: by the way working at Alienware it's a video game cup it's right video game computer company in, in a sense what was that like i mean what was what was it that they were looking for that um that's like i guess d- is it different like in the way of thinking for them than it is in like making product i mean i'm guessing productions and stuff like that in the narrative sense
1: yeah, it was very um lots of corporate videos, lots mm. of talking head stuff. Okay. Um I did some product videos, things like that. Um things that would go on the website like yes yeah. banners and such. Okay. Um, new new product videos. I did a bunch of those. I pitched a lot of commercials and um before it was a thing, I wanted to do product short films mm-hmm. and uh you know, that never never worked out, never got the green light on that. But then I think it was Panasonic came out with like product short films and everybody was like, Oh, product short films and I was like, <laughs> <"See?"> <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean. Granted, B and W had already done it, and it was like the mother of probably, That's probably where I got the idea, honestly. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we never got to do anything like that. But it, you know, it gave me a lot of time. I ran the studio. They hired me because I was a jack of all trades. I could do yeah. everything from pre to post. I could come, I could compose original music for it. I could do the VFX. I could write it all. So that's how I got the job because they only wanted to hire one person. Yeah. Um, which was great for me because then it was just constant practice. I yeah. We were definitely. talking heads, but. For me, it was like, all right, well, if I have to do a talking head video here in the studio, what? how can I do this really cool? It's just me. I'm going to do three cameras. How can yeah. I make it seem like there's three cameramen? So I would take my shoes off, be in socks, and I would put stuff on like like a jib or a or a slider of some kind or something, then I would just run back and forth and make it feel like there were three cameramen when there was only one. And then just try to come up with different creative ways to to light it and display mm. this thing. Like if it's talking heads, how can I make it cooler than it is? Yeah. Give it a BTS sort of vibe where one camera kind of feels like it's a BTS camera for no good reason. And this is before 4K too.
0: Point so point you're right. This is way before 4K. Oh, yeah. Dude. So you this can't push like in. We
1: weren't even uploading. I don't think we were even uploading at 720p yet oh, wow. at the time. I think it was like. Uh, I think it was like probably like 480, I bet.
0: Oh yes. Um, wonderful. But 40.
1: I mean I was shooting I was shooting 1080, but I don't think YouTube was taking that. And certainly when we put it to the website, I don't think it was that it might have been 720 at best, but definitely wasn't 1080. Um in fact, film right, when film right first started going up, it wasn't 1080. It took a while for me to convince uh Rev3 to start doing 1080 to yeah. YouTube. I was like, dude, why are we doing seven twenty stuff? <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, they get, they gave me a lot of time to kind of mess around with stuff because a Mm -hmm. part of my job was just coming up with ideas. So I, I got to test out green screen ideas and different cycle ideas and different product looks and product ideas. And so that, that was a nice education as well. And then I ended up coming up with the idea of doing something called making a film, Mm -hmm. which stemmed just from a friend who, uh, couldn't go to film school. And he was talking about that. There wasn't really anything out there at the time. Yeah. Um, so you know, I was just like, this would be awesome. Not that I want to go out and teach people how to make films because I'm still figuring it out, which is why in the beginning of Film Ride, the early days it was you want to be a filmmaker, so do I. Let's figure it out. Yeah. yeah, That's why I popped that. I wanted to make it very well known. Like, hey, I'm not even saying I'm a full-blown filmmaker, I'm saying I want to be a filmmaker Mm -hmm. and I'm figuring that out. I'll figure it out with me. And so the idea of doing that publicly. Um, really appealed to me. Just one to help people because I never had any form of mentor or anyone at all that knew mm-hmm. anything about filmmaking um, up until that point. It was all just figuring it out on my own, um, and it was really difficult. So the idea of building a community around something like that really appealed to me, and, and just helping people. Yeah. Um, but also, I knew it, the way that I wanted to do it with doing sketches. that mm-hmm. It would force me to constantly be making something and, yeah. you know, constantly practicing and trying new ideas and concepts. And, you know, get, kind of going back to a digital version of what I had when it was the youth yeah. group. The immediate audience to react. Um, and and so those things really appealed. And, and, you know, the idea of building, you know, uh, subscribers, building... <laughs> You know, that community that could help each other and hopefully be, you know, a group that I can release a film to one day. You know, part of the thinking, well, um, never thought it would turn into what it did. (laughs) I'm glad it did. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, uh, and you're the early days of YouTube, YouTube too, man. Like, if you think about it, like, that's the earliest days of YouTube. Oh, yeah. That was back when,
1: uh, you know, like, uh, Phil Franco was still, like, in his bedroom or something like that. Yeah.
0: And and not like you know what too if you think if you really want to think about it, this might sound like really extravagant but you're technically I think I like I was thinking about this day I'm like you're kind of like the Gary V of like filmmakers <laughs> in a sense because like I, and I mean like I'm saying this because I'll like take it. yeah because <laughs> no think about because you you you've done so much for filmmakers and like people that want to be filmmakers and for free in a sense that like you know you're giving out this like information telling people these things that like. You know, you're like it's like in a sense you're before Gary V. Like you're the Gary Vee before (laughs) Gary Vee in a sense. Like I I don't know, that's how I feel about it. Like in, in my in my eyes, seeing it from my eyes.
1: That's awesome, man. I'm, I'll take
0: it. I All appreciate right. it. No, awesome. no problem, man. And that's not me trying to butter you up, but no, I'm just being honest about it. <laughs> no, no. Keep going. I
1: like
0: it. <laughs> I'm now your best friend.
1: <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more about
0: me. <laughs> and by the way, I have, to, I have to ask you this or tell you this before uh, – I have two things to say before we go on to one uh, funny story. So my parents live in a 55-and-older community down in Vegas, and their neighbor knows um, you know, Steven, Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's dad, actually. My God! Yeah. So, I, I, my mom was like, maybe I'll like, you know, get him to meet you, and you know, you can probably maybe meet Steven Spielberg somehow. And then, then they, uh, and then, yes, they, and then, then it, then, then like, yeah, he's just old, and I don't, we don't know. Maybe like they, they, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, second as, this is probably about, but my my friend must be like thinking about this so I had to ask you or tell you that we actually me and uh, two other friends actually sent things to you guys in Film FilmRite in the early days when you guys were sending uh, or I don't know if you guys still do it but like the uh, competitions or the challenges and we, oh, never yeah. won. we never won we never won thanks um, thanks a lot for not picking us
1: that's Josh's <laughs> fault that was definitely Josh that kid he's a little worse I'll smack him for you once I get
0: off this <laughs> thanks <laughs> Now, how did you how did you come up with the Film Riot name? Because I, I I think I was reading on Wikipedia. I know Wikipedia is not the best source of information, but you, uh, Revision Three came to you guys came to you about uh, Film Riot because of the um, that making the the film thing.
1: Yeah, Correct? yeah. We, we I think maybe somebody sent it to them. Oh, okay. I, I honestly don't one hundred percent remember. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so either they found it or somebody sent it to them. They were doing the making the Film thing it was actually doing pretty decent review uh views rather yeah. uh as far as those days for for YouTube. Do you sell that so, up by the way? Is that like deep in the archive? No, it was a totally different channel too. Um okay. but we did put up an episode on our I think our Film Right Extras page mm-hmm. just to show people how bad <laughs> it was. It was so bad. Yeah. God so terrible. Um uh, but yeah, they they ended up finding it and you know making the film not a very good name. Yeah. So it it was just a lot of just thinking about what the show would be and mm-hmm. what 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 it would feel like and, and how would we convey that. Yeah. Uh, and then the name Film Riot just because my idea I I think I was talking to Ryan Vance who was mm-hmm. really the person that discovered the show and and helped us um, shepherd it to what it became. Um, and I was talking to him, and we were talking about like, you know, I want to do things differently than they're currently done. I want to, mm. and then I ended up saying something about like, you know, it's almost like a riot against the old guard of film, okay. you know. And yeah. he's like, wait, 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 that there's something in that. You know, what about, a, you know, and I think that's how we kind of came up with it. It's just that idea of, you know, and at the time, it's not really so much anymore. You know, now, you know, you put up short films and you, you go and make a movie. Yeah. It, it, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. now. It, so much, <laughs> much different. YouTube is looking at, looked at as something viable. I mean, you know, they have like you know, very large properties on YouTube mm-hmm. streaming. It's looked at as a viable, respectable thing at the time. Not so much like YouTube was laughed at, looked down on. Yeah. Um, you know, so that idea of you know we're doing something different, we're doing it our way. Yeah, um, that kind of idea uh, fell into the name, I think, and that's kind of what led us to it.
0: I that that I mean, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that all day, man. I was like, how do you come up with this name? And like that, that <laughs> I mean, that's perfect because like, and now I understand why you used riot, and like, and now it makes now it makes total sense to me. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: well whereas now it's like. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, online video, of course. Everyone does but, that. Yeah, but the name's when, so know, synonymous. So
0: like the name's so synonymous. And like, it, it's like, it just, it's an exclamation. I feel like it's an exclamation whenever I say, it, I'm like, film right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just <laughs> hyped up when I hear, like, hear it or like someone says it. Uh, <laughs> so
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: So, um, let me ask you this. I don't know if, if you complete the fifth on this question. I, I, uh, how did you guys end up leaving Revision 3? Because, like, I know you guys were doing that for a whole while, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, one day I'm watching you guys, and you guys aren't on there anymore. Like, it, 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 because, like, you know, YouTube at that time, I remember, you know, being a young YouTuber as well at the time trying like, brand myself in a uh, online cooking video show, like like a epic mealtime in a sense, and, like, trying to find people like Revision 3 to, like, find our brand and stuff, or a network. Like, I mean, during that time, there's a lot of networks. Like how, like, and then you guys leave the network in a sense. Like, what, what made you leave? What, like, if I, may, if my ask. We
1: we actually didn't leave. Um, oh, Revision, Revision Three was amazing. It was such a cool time. It was such mm-hmm. a cool group, and it was the last of its kind for me, at least in my perspective. Yeah. Of where you know there really was a um an honest care about the content and the creators Mm -hmm. and it was all revolved around that and they were huge in helping market it and help Mm -hmm. develop it it was such an amazing community there uh really really enjoyed being there and then um they ended up selling to discovery digital and discovery digital took over and and it definitely changed you know Mm -hmm. it wasn't that small town feel anymore you know it was was like a big of a of a of an MCN, and it, and it was so great. Um, we really enjoyed being with Discovery Digital, and then that changed hands again, and they sold it to another entity. Gotcha. Um, and and then uh, very just recently, actually, um, we've fully gone independent. But even from the rev Three days, my, mm. and it's kind of been my rule across the board: if I don't own it, I don't do it. Yeah. And um, Film Riot was something that I owned, you know, across the board. Period. Yeah. So you, you know, our MCNs weren't. Uh, An MCM for us, like they are for you know other people, it was more, you know, a partnership. It was a fifty-fifty thing, and they would help bring in the ad revenue,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the, the sponsors. So we didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, and we made the content, and
0: you know, it was something where we just worked together. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure with, uh, off you guys too. Sorry, sorry, I sorry to cut you off. I was just saying that's a lot, like a lot less pressure on you guys too to like because you're just making the content and yeah. then finding the ad revenue. So yeah. that's. Man, it, it shit, was
3: great! And they were
1: wonderful with that, and Brad Murphy led that up at mm-hmm. Discovery, and now he has uh, another company called Seismic, and we're actually working with him still. Uh, he's just, he's just amazing, one of the best. Um, so we're still, and I'm still good friends with you know Ryan Vance, mm-hmm. who who ran things there, and uh, you know all those guys um, yeah. are are really great. Love all those guys, but yeah, they uh, Red Three sold off to Discovery, which became something else, which became something else, mm-hmm. and now we're now we've gone independent because you know things have changed yeah. enough to where it's. It just makes more sense to be fully yeah. independent with with how things have gone.
0: And I, I mean, cause I'm I'm so like you're know, the first person I ever talked to. Had, it was on a, a network in that in that regard of like with uh, Rev Three. Like now, did they give you like a budget to do things as well? Like you know, because like you know, you're still. I guess the ad, unless the ad revenue is coming in so much that you're able to rent the lenses or rent the camera and all that stuff, the, or find the partnerships. They, 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 I'm guessing they help find the partnerships as well too. Like you know, I know you worked with Canon on the UFO thing when I was looking at like the uh, C100 Mark II a long time ago. And I still look it up from here every now and then as well.
1: Yeah, they they would help us find the ad reads. So you know, like uh, GoDaddy, domain.com, yeah. Squarespace, Netflix, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. They, they would bring those to the table We didn't get a budget um, because like I said ours was a, a very different scenario okay. there were shows that they owned and so those shows would get budgets okay um, but <clears throat> ours was you know I've always been my own production company mm. and I, I you know I make the content and they help sell the content and get the content out there that, that's kind of how it worked back then For things like UFO yeah with Canon, um, those have always been my own personal relationships that, um, you know, it took years and years and years to make, you know, like Adobe, just, uh, you know, showing my love for Adobe for you know <laughs> several years, um, and finally getting their attention and then yeah. being able to partner with them on, on things that they help us, you know, do stuff, which is like I say on the show, you know, that's how we do the short films like UFO. Yeah. yeah. Um. I wanted to use the C200 because it's you know a much more accessible camera, and I was you know I thought it would be really cool to do mm-hmm. it that way, you know, do uh, something that was going to look gorgeous thanks to Ryan Booth with um, you know a camera that you know, the majority of people can get their hands on, mm-hmm. and so I went to Canon about that, and they were really cool about wanting to jump on board with it. Um, and, uh, I believe Adobe was a part of that one as well. So it's something where, and you know, I, I tell them all the same thing. Yeah. Whenever I'm making a short film, like I go to Adobe and I tell them, Hey, I'm going to be showing this either way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with your product either way, because that's, you know, it's, you're not giving me money. So I'll show your product. I am going to be, because this is what I use, yeah. you know? And uh you know, but do you wanna you know come on and and help us out so we can make this the best it can be? That's really the aspect of it because you know, if we're gonna show how to how to make something on our show, you know, with something as important as you know the the software we mm. use, it's gonna be the software we use. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. um, so that's kind of how we so that's why I call those partnerships not sponsorships, because that's really what they've always been is finding the companies that I really believe in and have the products that I really like and, you know, have the people that work for the companies that I really like because, you know, that's a big factor uh, of it yeah. for me too is the people behind the products actually good people, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you want to be involved with good companies. Um, so all that stuff has been a factor. But those, those have been um, uh, relationships that um, I, I built on my own over over a long period of time.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, how, I mean – I mean, I wish I had those, I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard as a person. I mean, me trying to get this uh, podcast and like off the ground too, it's like, just try and build the relationships. Like you're saying, it's taking forever to like, you know, try to reach out to people or people coming back to you. And yeah, like I I understand I uh, that aspect. Like it's crazy. Yeah, man,
1: for sure. Um, for the first few years of, of uh, Film Riot, it was a full-time job every single week without fail.
0: Yeah. Um, with, you know, no help whatsoever. Were you, <laughs> you, were you know. still working at the Alienware? Or did you just say, like, screw, screw yeah, it? No, I,
1: I, I had a, I had two full-time jobs, which yeah. was just nuts. I always I say it all the time. I called it, like, the, the dark ages for me because it was uh, – I would go um, at least 48 hours uh, once a week without sleep. So once wow. it was, like, time to, uh, you know, upload the episode, it would end up being something where um, I would be up all night finishing it, upload it, and then go
0: straight to my day job. You must have been so, super happy when YouTube allowed you to schedule posts. <laughs>
1: uh, well, no. You could schedule them. It was just always down to the wire because I had a oh. full-time job.
2: Oh, true, and yeah, I yeah. was
1: the only one doing it in the beginning, really. Okay. Like, I had a little bit of help uh, here and there with things. But for the most part, it was, it was an army of one. Yeah. Um, uh and you know even to this day it's an army of two so you know for the most part we you know it's me and Josh mm-hmm. um doing the episodes by ourselves so it still has that you know um low budget backyard you know flair to it to some extent because yeah. it's not a crew there's not really a budget it's you know we make we make it with what we have accessible to us and then you know you know you have some special episodes where we where we add a little bit more to it, especially when we're doing our short films. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. Back then, it was just a matter. I had two jobs, and because Film Riot was making zero money whatsoever, yeah. uh, definitely for the first year. But finally, eventually, I was able to go full time because mm-hmm. um, Film Riot was making enough money to at least support me to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really like some freelance stuff I was able to pull in mm-hmm. that really um, supported me because it, it was a solid you know, two, three years. Of nonstop full time work for Film Riot before it really became something that was making
0: me um, all that much money. I'd say probably two years. Did Film Riot help you get freelance jobs as well? No, no? not at all. Not okay.
1: not initially. Okay. And now you know. Now, if we wanted, it, it definitely um, uh, helps <clears throat> after a few years of it. Because the thing was back then, again, YouTube was not looked at as a professional. True platform it yeah. was not looked at anything to respect at all you know most of us that made stuff for youtube felt a little embarrassed when people asked us what we did You like, oh I'm, i do youtube videos <laughs> yeah uh, because it was like "What you do youtube you mean where they put cat videos what are you talking
2: about <laughs> yeah. so it was
1: like it was such a new thing that people just didn't get so it's very much looked down on and even in the early stages uh a lot of companies didn't even really know what to make of it or what to do with it so mm-hmm um it it was it was interesting it was the wild wild west for sure oh yeah then. so so definitely back then it, it didn't help so much especially because of what film riot was you know mm. it was um happily zero budget run and gun very quick turnaround yeah. stuff um that was very goofy yeah very irreverent so you know it wasn't really something that uh made a lot of people want much well
0: i mean true but at the same time i feel like people like you know are always looking for a quick turnaround and like you know how can they find it on a cheap budget too so i feel like i mean in that regard that's why i asked i'm asking the question that in that sense too like you know it's like oh man they they do videos pretty cheap and fast turnarounds we should hire them you know (laughs) Sure. Yeah,
1: after a few years, you know, there was some stuff that came, that came up, but, um, uh, very, very rarely because, you know, because of that quick turnaround, it's Mm -hmm. not always, you know, especially back then didn't really show the, the best production quality, Yeah. yeah. you know, it's more about, it's always been more about the concepts than, Mm
0: -hmm. than anything else.
1: So I think that, you know, that problem, I'm sure that had (laughs) quite, quite a
0: bit of a factor, uh, to it all as well. Yeah. And then, um, has YouTube changed you as a filmmaker or it didn't change you as a filmmaker at all, because I, I, I mean, also a question too is like, when you were doing film riot, where like I, I feel like from all the episodes I've seen, you've had the same style in the sense of you know you said funny and all that stuff and the sketches, all that stuff. Did you did you have to find the how did you like did, did you find the voice quickly or did you find the voice like after like a few test episodes and then you're like all right this is the voice we're gonna do this this way. No, it just always was that. Um, oh, yeah. My rule was always have fun and be me, yeah. and just you, know,
1: you don't care <laughs> at all. Well, and if, if people hate it, it's not for them. But this is you know here I am. Uh, that's why you know I think in the beginning, uh, I think Rev Three wrote it. It was like a filmmaking show from the hyperactive mind of you know Ryan Conley. Yeah, because it was just I would yeah I, I still call it ad lib writing where I would just I would just be hyper and I would write yeah. it and uh and we and then we would make that <laughs> and so it was just a matter of having fun and you know putting our real personality and sense of humor out there um which is an odd you know often dark sense of humor yeah uh
2: <laughs> hey, but cool. uh but you know that was us and, yeah. and
1: um you know it still kind of has that flair but you can tell the show has kind of matured as we matured yeah uh where that you know that sense of humor is still there but it's more of a mature sense of humor that that sort of very uh immature you know wacky uh you know sense of bathroom humor i guess you could call it <laughs> kind of started fading away as we grew up a bit more and i got married and had kids and <laughs> you know it started you, hey, know, you can um,
0: always be that way though. So. it's fine yeah it started
1: evolving oh it's still in there it's <laughs> oh
0: good good um
1: but you know it definitely evolved with yeah. me and um I'm sure it's had an effect on me as a filmmaker. I mean everything that we do definitely affects our uh, who we are as you know artists um, but I think you know at least the thing that I can tell for sure is that it kind of solidified the voice I already had because you know you have a lot of It becomes a very, you know, megaphone process of people Mm. shouting what they think at you, um, what they think at you about, you know, you as an artist and you as a person and what you look like physically (laughs) and, you know, that you're not funny or are funny or. And, and so those things can rattle you if you let them, but it, it ended up building a very thick skin for me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, you know, allowed me to, uh, find a confidence mm-hmm. regardless of what, you know, comments might, you know, think, or, yeah. you know, make, wanna make me think. And, and so I think it, it, it really, even writing film, right episodes, writing why I did something, you know, cause we, we make a short film and now I have to articulate why I did the thing that initially was an instinct. Yeah. So it really helped start to refine things from just being instinct to being something you know that I'm I'm doing um, you know consciously yeah. that these are conscious decisions that came from experience. But not only that, analyzing my own work. Why did mm. I do this this worked? People liked it. Why did it work? Well, I did. I, well, I did it that way because my gut said to do it that way. Yeah. Uh, and and but I had to now you know, explain you why. And so I had to really break down the why's of what I was doing, which Mm. really helped me analyze my own work, my own voice, how I, how I do things or just any topic If we're going to put out there, like to teach a topic, we Mm. have to learn it first. And
0: was it hard for you to write that?
1: that? Was it
0: hard for you to write that? Like I mean, especially in the, probably in the beginning, it was hard for you to write that because you're so visual. You were telling me earlier that it must've been hard for you to write like explain that stuff to people in, in that regard. It Was it or no?
1: It would depend on the topic for mm-hmm. sure. Some stuff would just take a lot of self-reflection and, yeah. you know, figuring things out. But every episode of Film Riot was, was kind of like a Mythbusters to okay. me. Um, that's even how I, how I uh, pitched it to Rev 3. It's like, you know, we're going to do this effect. I've never done that before. How can we make this work? And then I would go and I would, I would pretty much shoot the the sketches before I shot the sketches because I would have to go, you know, test it and figure yeah, it yeah. out and how's this going to work, and then we would do it. So, uh, you know, back then, without having all the experience, it was doubling up the work even on top of it. So uh, there was a lot of like, you know, mad scientist fun to it, which was a blast because it's like, okay, uh, I want to make somebody's head explode. You know, how do you do that? What what do I have at my disposal? And okay, what if we try this? And then, um, and then it was just like, hey, here's what I figured out. Uh, Here's what I did. Here's, you know, we wanted to do this and here's how we figured out how to do it. It was often, you know, you know, uh, bubblegum and uh, popsicle sticks type (laughs) filmmaking. And, you know that you know, I talk about it all the time. That's that ended up being extremely useful because I find the DIY way of thinking has, uh, you know, bailed me out of um, problems I've found during production on mm-hmm. really large shoots. You know, hundred-person, uh, expensive shoots. Yeah. Uh, the DIY approach. I was on, I was helping a friend on a two million dollars short. and wow. I was, doing, I was doing some um, second unit directing for him, mm-hmm. and you know it just became a thing where it's like hey we have no resources to give you but can you go make this happen i was like uh what but we did i just you know i pulled it from you know the archives in my brain of of film riot and things that doing it diy had taught me and and we figured it out and did it and it went in there and cut right in there with all the stuff that they had the full crew and Uh the alexa and all the other things with um so you know it's it's been a really great education as much as we put out there how we do things yeah. it's, it's also been a really great education for us you know josh included You yeah, know, this has been uh, my brother josh's mm-hmm. film school yeah. starting to take over film right slowly but surely as i'm trying to move on to other things i mean not move on move on yeah. make it sound like i won't be doing film right i'll still be doing film right but he's starting to run it more yeah. and more direct it more and more so and I think that'll be really cool, too, because he's very much at where I was at, you know, eight years ago. Yeah. So it's bringing back that sort of mad scientist flair of, ooh, how do I do this now? You know, and mm-hmm. that newer filmmaker, you know, uh, you know, s- that you can follow along with. So hopefully we'll be splitting it into two of mm. what I'm doing
0: and, you know, more old school film riot stuff. So going back uh, to the roots. What's that going back to the roots of it? yeah yeah exactly
1: like bringing in a little bit more of that um mm-hmm. that old school stuff yeah, you yeah. could uh, you could follow along with uh, a, a little more which we still do yeah. granted um but uh you know bringing that a little bit more of that flair where the person you're following is figuring it out too mm-hmm. um which i think is really valuable especially because you know technology is totally different the way of thinking about mm-hmm. this stuff at this level is totally different yeah so you know i think that'll be really useful just to continue to evolve the show in different ways bringing in new voices
0: things like that yeah yeah. and going back to what you're saying about you know being on a large set as well another question i had for you is like what is it like especially maybe your first time like what was it like directing a bigger crew and like what was your mindset going into set that day like were you like trying to talk yourself you know like you know were you afraid were you scared were you nervous like what were your emotions like what you know all that good stuff
1: uh and going to set just felt like oh god don't screw it up oh god don't screw it up yeah. oh god i'm gonna screw it up <laughs> um yeah man it was terrifying i i had a uh, weird film riot definitely had uh you know put me in weird uh, like play I, I jumped a lot of uh steps you know yeah. um because of film riot it gave me a bit of a name and <clears throat> you know it showed what i could do but you know i'd never worked with larger sets you know film yeah. riot was something like i said whereas I'm doing the majority of the stuff like uh, yeah. uh, proximity definitely helped a lot and got a lot of um, you know got my name to a lot of places mm-hmm. but I shot that for 300 bucks with almost no crew in yeah. a couple of days with no you know no gear really we had mm-hmm. a camera and a boom pole yeah that was our gear and then we had like reflectors that's it you know and the rest was just literally family and friends um, yeah. and you know just going out and doing it Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like i had all these big crews or anything yeah yeah. uh um so you know getting on some of the first big sets i did i was a guest Mm -hmm. you know just coming because i knew the director i knew the producers and i just came on and and was able to you know at least see how it ran to some extent you don't really you're not super privy to any inner workings because you're like the friend of the producer so you're kind of just over at video village or whatever yeah um so then when i was operating you know with a with a bigger crew and actually having to call shots yeah I mean, it was super nerve-wracking yeah um and in one instance i wasn't able to be honest and be like hey i don't know what the hell i'm doing mm-hmm. but in every other instance instance i was able to and, and it, it was always you know the first time i really worked with a dp i was a ryan booth i was able mm-hmm. to just tell him like hey man i always shot my own stuff This is the first time i'm really working with a dp so you know be patient with me and yeah. you know, let's just communicate and if i'm not giving you what you need or you know speaking your language just let me know it's gonna be a learning experience for me for sure but i'm stoked let's do it you know yeah and he was like yeah sure man let's go <laughs> um so you know and then and then you know he gave me my education in the first time i worked with a dp yeah you know the same thing with the first time i worked with my stunt team the first yeah. time i worked with proper actors you know I've always found that just being very honest, especially because if you have work to show for yourself, mm-hmm. you can still retain the confidence of your cast and crew. Yeah, and and be honest, you know, because you could—they're you know, not going to be like, "Oh, wait, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing." You could mm-hmm. be like, "Look, this is the stuff that I make. I know what I'm doing." Yeah, like as far as the content goes, as far as the final product goes, as far as what we're going to make here, mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, you know, I've always done it myself. Yeah. you know, uh, so. So being able to be open and honest definitely helped me out quite a bit. Um, So then, you know, later when I was, uh, you know, uh, directing, say, Ballistic, which Mm. that was the one that had, I think, over 100 people um, uh, on a couple of days of the action stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, it was way, you know. Wait, how many many days? Uh, It was a couple of days we had 100 people on there. I think maybe two days we had 100 people. We shot for four days for the action stuff. Yeah. Three days full crew, one day Splinter crew, and then the nighttime thriller stuff, yeah.
0: I think it was two days, two or three days. I, I totally remember. misheard you. I thought you said a hundred days. Uh, I, I, no! Yeah, I, to- I, 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 I <laughs> Yeah, thought, we like, wait, should what? have
2: been what? a day. <laughs>
1: Not even, no. We shot a second a day or something like that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm like, wait, 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 I'm like, I'm like I had to mis- hear him, so I was like, I mean, that's why I'm like, let me just ask him the question again, like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that that shoot was a trial by fire too, yeah. because it was just it was intense. Lots of um, lots of stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, we had you know one of the biggest budget I've ever had for a short film, but still you know it was a fifth of what it would have been if yeah. there wasn't favors and cutting corners and just figuring it out and you know. Again, uh bubblegum and popsicle sticks. Yeah. Um, so you know it was, it was really tough to pull off and you know almost not making our days b- basically every day. Yeah. But the uh, you know casting crew was killer. So we were able to pull it off but that that was another thing that was just a massive um, a massive massive education yeah. for me. Um, and, and that's kind of how I do every project. Like if it's scary, I'm like, yeah, I should do this. Mm-hmm. If it's like, oh, I got this. I'm like, nah, i nah, 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 probably not. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why, why? I already know how to do that. Um, and those are the projects I have done mm-hmm. that I felt like, oh, I know how to do this. It'll be paint by numbers. Yeah. And, and end up coming out like, I'm not super stoked about that. I don't. I don't love how they came out because I, I think it's just you know you're not hyper aware of it because you're comfortable. Yeah. So I try to remain comfortable, uncomfortable with every every project. Like Sentinel.
2: Yeah.
1: Was kind of a I know how to do this, so I decided not to really write a script and not to plan anything to just show up on the day and make it up as we go, which yeah. then added that uncomfortable sense to it and um and and made it something we really you know that helped me push harder on. Because, you know, making it up as I go and now now it's stressful because I'm putting the whole thing together in my head without any pre-prep. Um, and it's just great practice because, you know, you regardless of like ballistic yeah, uh, stuff goes wrong and now you have to reorchestrate this moment that has a major stun in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven people and eight cameras and you have to, oh, yeah. you know, uh, make it all up on the spot because what you were going to do isn't going to work. So doing stuff like that, I've done it a few times where I just don't plan anything and I mm-hmm. go when there's a safety net like Sentinel had because yeah. um, I just think that's really great
2: practice.
0: And, and, and just um, to also uh, go on the mindset about the first, like, you know, that bigger crew thing too real quick before I, I ask you a question about ballistic. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you find it hard, especially in the beginning to like delegate because you're saying you're like doing all this by yourself and like, you know, dele- you have to delegate as a director to people about things. Did you find that hard as well too?
1: It <clears> – <throat> not for Ballistic. Um,
0: yeah. But for, because the, the the that, projects, like, for the earlier projects. For the earlier
1: projects, though. Yeah. Super hard.
0: Yeah. You, like, just, just the go-
1: kind of delegating was <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, oh, wait, somebody else will do this? But <laughs> even with um, Ballistic, there were – as I, I mean, I guess a, the best one was probably like Ghost House because that was like mm-hmm. the first full-on crew I ever yeah. had. Um, which was only, I think it was like 30 or so people, which is, you know, that's a decent size, you know, indie, indie project. Yeah, that's,
0: that's more than um, I ever had on my, uh, in my projects that I worked on.
1: So. <laughs> right. And, and at the time that was like 10 times more, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. maybe not 10 times, but five times more certainly than I had ever had. Um, and no, that's 10 times for me. That's Everybody <laughs> what they were doing. Yeah. So it's like the idea of, um, I don't need to go and, you know, uh, help lift the tripod, mm-hmm. Uh, took a little bit of getting used to. I got I got yelled at. I mean not actually yelled at, but like, dude, what are you doing? We yeah, got yeah. it. <laughs> uh, often. And I was like, oh right. Yeah, yeah. I'll go do what I'm supposed to do as a director. Well you okay, right. I don't have
2: to do this. Okay.
1: Got as, it. Got it. I don't have as, to do that too. As much so as that a, was like a weird learning curve of not doing everything. Like yeah. I don't have to I don't have to help you raise the camera up. You, there's a whole team over there to do that. And I'm just getting in the way. Yeah. You know, like that was kind of a learning curve for me. Um, and, and so it, it kind of happened little by little mm. over the, for the most part, um, you know, uh, working with DPs
2: mm.
1: was definitely a learning curve because I was so used to just every ounce of the visual was exactly, you know, what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so th- that that was a bit of a learning curve to uh, for sure to to figure that collaboration out. Um, but now I adore it, and I would never want to shoot my own thing. Yeah. You know, having that collaboration is, you know, that and you know my editor, you know, two of the uh, you know most important collaborations for me. Mm-hmm. Which you editing, know, editing, same thing. I I edited all my stuff until ballistic, and yeah. now I'm like, I never want to edit my own film ever again. Okay. <laughs> I Is want that, to edit everything with Lucas for the rest of my life. I was, it, I,
0: was about to, I have a question for that about later on about uh, there comes a knocking because I saw I was watching the, edit, the when you edit the film, but I'm gonna ask it later. I can't. I'm like I'm gonna, I can't jump ahead. I can't jump ahead. <laughs> I'm like I have to hold myself. <laughs> sorry,
3: sorry. I'm all over the
0: place. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's 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 the nature of this podcast. It happens because I, I actually have another question like that's earlier on too. That I'm like oh I forgot to ask him this too. So I'll ask that when you're. When, I'm sorry to cut you off too again. So <laughs> no
2: no
0: no fine. <laughs> but uh, my other question, but for for. for what I forgot to ask you earlier is because you're from that um, Florida area, right? And, like, Orlando being close to South Florida, obviously, I hope. Um, <laughs> you know, did you get inspired by, like, Universal Studios and, you know, Disney World at all being a kid as well, too? Oh,
1: I'm sure um, Universal was my favorite yeah. uh, over, like, at least the Magic Kingdom because NGM was pretty great, too. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. the Haunted Mansion... Because um, I'm big on like you know that that sense of horror and whatnot. Yeah. So the haunted mansion was a big one for me. Um, the uh, uh, and uh, um, uh, what is it called? The the, the Twilight Zone ride. The, oh yeah, uh, the Tower Terror, 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 which is Terror uh, Terror, Guardians of the Galaxy
0: important. in uh, uh, Los Angeles in the Disneyland. Oh.
1: Um, yeah, the, the those for sure, I'm sure had uh, somewhat of an impact. Yeah. Um, just that that sense of the movies, quote yeah. unquote, that classic sense of of the movies of Hollywood, all Mm -hmm. that, um, just the magic of it, um, definitely helped plant those seeds that, that it's a little, you don't get it as much now, but Mm -hmm. you know, like when we were younger, how much a film coming out felt like this just massive event. Yeah. It had a music video every time, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) it, it was just, it was just very different. Like even seeing the trailer was a treat. You'd have to get it at the movie theater and you're like, Oh, it's a new trailer. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's just like, oh, I don't care. I'll watch it on my phone. Somebody'll tweet it. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's just different. Um which is fine. Things change. Uh but yeah, that that sense of magic with the movies, I, I think that definitely piled on quite a bit with um definitely MGM and then Universal. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, uh I just went back to Universal uh, Orlando uh for Halloween horror nights last September. And that gave me some magic, like just going there, because I never experienced that. So that, that yeah, just like nice to know that the magic is there still. As a, as a, even a, a, I'm 30 now, so as a 30 year old, magic's still there. I'm like, yes, I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, going back to your journey, not about me, but <laughs> um, so <laughs> when you guys were in South Florida, you're doing film, right? What made you decide to move to uh, Texas? Was it like just like just for, Hey, Texas is better for filmmaking, uh, you know, better environment, better weather, or was it, you know, just like, Oh, I have to, it's for certain reasons, you know, personal reasons.
1: Yeah, no, it was all business decision. Mm Um, Florida wasn't as nice to small businesses. Um, Texas was much nicer taxes and all that Mm -hmm. living expenses were, were better. Um, I don't know about now, obviously it was, uh, seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, and it also had, uh, at least again, at the time, much better film community. There was a film community in Dallas, there was one in Austin, you know, Robert Rodriguez is down in Mm -hmm. Austin, but also I was going to New York and LA quite a bit at the time. I'd rarely go to New York now, just LA, Mm -hmm. but it, you know, it was a good little middle ground for flights to New York and LA. So it just checked every box. Gotcha. It, It also has an aspect of. I could drive three hours this way, that way, or that way, and have totally different looks similar to what LA has. Not as good as LA's. Yeah. Because you get extremely different looks uh, in California, depending yeah. on where you go. Very true, but very Texas true. But Texas still has that. And You know, if we lived in Florida, doing ballistic how we did it, proximity, most definitely, mm-hmm. UFO, yeah, Sentinel, all of those, it would have been really difficult and wouldn't have had the same sense. just, it's, It was just very different. Um, so for me as a filmmaker and the type of stuff I wanted to make, um, mm-hmm. I just felt like, you know, the move to you know, somewhere else that matched the, the sort of things I wanted to do would have been, was the right move. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, I'm really glad we made that move. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, not sure where we'll go from here. If we'll stay here go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But
0: and, so far, so good. And also, uh, to follow on that Texas question too, it's like, um, did you realize at that time when you're like, when you wanted to make that move to Texas, did you feel like? Film Riot blew up to where it was like oh shit I have something right here like this is it and then the full time job at Film Riot then or is that after? Yeah
1: it, it had already been um, full time for a, probably a good year okay. at that point so it was like you know it was two years it was mm-hmm. pretty tough and then um, I think on the third year it's so long ago it's hard to really remember time frames I'm, I'm sorry I'm like um,
0: making you go back in your brain <laughs>
1: no, no worries on the third year we, we started two new shows mm-hmm. um, which helped, really helped up the um you know the revenue because yeah. now we have three shows bringing in and sponsors so that really helped and i was doing more like freelance side stuff as well and mm-hmm. that was bringing in some extra so all those things combined all those real, we started selling merch and
2: yeah.
1: uh stuff like that so so all of that combined started um uh, uh, uh i think we also renegotiated our deal to get a higher percentage um, which also helped, obviously. So it was—it was really just all those things mm-hmm. that kind of finally let us uh, <clears throat> break out of, you know, the struggle that we were in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and start, so, you know, uh, uh, spreading our legs a little bit. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say, let me let me change that to stretching our legs a little bit.
0: You know, what? you can leave it. It's fine. You, you, it's fine. Okay. I'm, I'm not gonna right, hit my, this out at all. It's fine. Just, uh,
1: but... It took me a second. I'm like, why is he me? Like, Oh my god!
0: <laughs> a, a question about that too. It's like uh, about the um, negotiation of the the deal of percentage too. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I, I've been up since 4 a.m. Dog. I've been up since 4 a.m. All right. <laughs> a long day so far.
2: I was just
1: sending them pictures with my shirt off. Uh, like, hey, you want it, this to stop? It's been,
0: a, <laughs> you know, like on top of like that and the woman, that the crazy woman that I experienced this morning, it's been a very funny day. <laughs> uh, please don't edit that out. <laughs> I, I'm not. I uh, This show is, ed, is edit proof. I, I barely, I just go over it and I just double check it. My friend does <laughs> the audio and then we just lay it down. The track. Okay. So again, if you want to play the fifth, you can plead the fifth, but... Nope, leave it. <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> I... Oh, shit. <sighs> that was a Freudian slip if I've ever heard one. Best Freudian slip ever. <laughs> Especially for someone you never met in your whole life. <laughs> That's,
2: yeah. The best part was
1: I, had, I wasn't sure why you were laughing, and then my brain replayed what I just said. I was like, oh, no. <laughs>
0: i think i think it's safe to say we just became best friends yeah but i think we have to be at this point i think so too
1: (laughs) (laughs) what kind of relationship did you have with revision (laughs)
0: three yeah i know that's shit details give me the juice man give me the juice (laughs) i have a professional relationship with that (laughs) <laughs> They're giving you more money because you're spreading your legs. Jesus, yeah, good, good lord! <laughs> wow, I <laughs> need to whore myself out. <laughs> yeah Oh my oh. god, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was gonna ask you about a percentage thing too, and you said that, and it just perfectly worked out, and it and all glory. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, shit. Uh, so, a uh, uh, question about the percentage thing. Like, because you're getting a percentage from Revision 3, but YouTube's also taking a percentage off the top, is it how? I'm sorry, I'm just so curious. Like, how did that work? Like, do you make like less money from that, or is it because of the. I don't know, I'm so confused because of the, no, there were, because know, of the two, domain things? Two,
2: um, two
1: legs of revenue coming in to yeah. um, just film my videos. You have like the in episode sponsors, which. Okay. Uh, you know, go straight to Web 3 YouTube doesn't touch that. And then you have the, um, the monetized views, gotcha. which d- weren't, weren't even a thing up front. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the early days, that, w- that wasn't even a part of it. But then once that became a part of it, then just all of that revenue together would go to the MCN, and then they would make the split
0: um, from that. Gotcha. Oh, very interesting. I learned something new completely today. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, and now going to Ballistic, because um, first big action set piece you were saying in, you know, a hundred days, just kidding, uh, in, you know, a few <laughs> days with a hundred crew, you know, what did you learn from that? Because you were saying you learned a lot from it. What did you learn? What, what was the takeaways you learned from that?
1: Um, I, I had done a, a, a few decent sized action, you know, set pieces. Yeah um before like that first um five you know grouping of five things with the stunt team definitely helped prep me for how to work with a stunt team and how long those things took but ballistic added a bunch of extra things we had wire work we had practical explosions we lit a guy on fire yeah you know all all that stuff so it it added elements that i had never worked with before um you know squibs, uh Mm. all kind all kinds of stuff yeah um but you know i had the confidence of working with the stunt team and and understanding enough of it and having such a good relationship with the stunt coordinator that Mm. i had um that you know it it, uh you know it made it all uh very doable with within those two days without unraveling too much um but man i did you know i learned a ton of of, uh you know i had never worked with a crew of that size yeah um, every role was filled, which was new for me. Um, before that, you know, there were, you know, roles left out. We didn't have, you mm-hmm. know, this crew member, or that crew member, or this, you didn't, didn't have. and sure, there was, you know, we should have had five people on this, and we only yeah. had, two and you know, stuff like that. There was a lot of, like I said, cutting corners, and favors, and freebies, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, but just orchestrating that level of production, yeah. um, really, really, taught me a lot as far as experience goes you know yeah. you, and it also adds confidence you know I've, I've heard other friends say it um, about making features and one of the reasons I did Ballistic the way I did it is because that's how I would be able to make an indie feature you know, yeah. we, we, we did that very much like this is how uh, a small feature would be made and um, There Comes a Knocking was the exact same way I, I wanted to do it how I would do it if I was making There Comes a Knocking by myself you know as, mm-hmm. as my own studio
0: is is ballistic a proof of concept then, as well as a for a feature film? It wasn't intentionally so. Mm-hmm. Um, all the short films that I make,
1: uh, a lot a lot of people have a problem with the fact that they're very ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but that's one that's just something that I love in short films. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't watch a short film to watch. Uh, You know the type of complete fleshed out story and character that you get from a feature. Yeah, it's a different, it's a totally different experience for me, and it's uh, and and that's the type of thing I like to make. But on top of that, a lot of my short films, like Proximity, Mm -hmm. um, I would say all of my short films, because most of the stuff that, maybe not most, but a, a great majority of the things that people call short films, like um. And I mean, we call short films because what else do you call them? I wanted to call them sketches, but then yeah. we decided that's just too confusing. Uh, well, but sketches like, are short, Combat. though, so
0: you can't you can't like
1: yeah, yeah. exactly. But but like Portal Combat and yeah. you know the, those five action shorts. Yeah, I don't consider any of those short films. The ones that I do consider short films are like Tell, Proximity, mm-hmm. Ballistic, and There Comes a Knocking, and I would say uh, Ghost House too. I consider all of those short films. Yeah everything else i consider more like glorified sketches or okay. you know things that we did just yeah. so we could teach an effect and stuff like that um but uh proximity and ballistic and uh those two specifically were things that i made having an idea of a bigger universe of yeah. you know if i could make a feature version of this, this is what i would do so it wasn't necessarily a proof of concept for that thing but i did have bigger ideas for it and that was a huge factor of why i want to keep it I don't want to give you all the answers. I just yeah. want to give a lot of clues and you get to fill stuff in. Um, because one, I think that's more fun. And two, it leaves me the option of, of making that thing. And I've, yeah. I've actually found accidentally that that's the best way to get, you know, producers attention. If, if you made good work mm-hmm. and they're also like, Hmm, what is this? What is it? Clearly there's a bigger,
2: yeah,
1: a bigger idea to this. What is it? And then, you know, every short film that had that question um, was one that, uh, you know, allowed me to be contacted by those people wanting to know exactly that. You know, what's Hey, what's this bigger thing? What's, yeah. what's going on? Um, and that that's really helped open doors. Mm.
0: And I like the ambiguity uh, ambiguity of like you know not knowing everything in the short films that you are doing as well too, because then it's like you know I, it makes me think, and I like thinking when I watch my films as much as like someone else might not want to. Like I hate yeah. I, I hate the films that are like like you know someone's taking you by the hand and like dragging you all around the mall to every store to show you everything like i won't yeah, be surprised that's
1: exactly right and and um it's a great another great safety net to try um you know concepts and, and things that i want to do I, i'm mm-hmm. a big fan of saying something without saying it yeah and and i've tried with a lot of my films to kind of figured that out like how to do that exactly where where is yeah. taking it too far and admittedly i have taken it too far here and yeah. there where like people were just like what i don't what <laughs> um but for the most part you know it hasn't ruined anything but there's mm. been like elements where i was like mm, i probably should have fleshed that out a little bit more mm. because i love the idea of like if i just give you this kernel this tiny little hint here is that enough do you need more than that yeah like what what else do i need to say for you to get it yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, really used a lot of my shorts and, and even the, the ones that I consider like sketches, mm. um, to do exactly that, to give you very, very little and keep the idea. Cause I love the idea of presenting a story with the viewer in mind, as far as, of course you always have the viewer in mind, but yeah. as far as what do we, as just all humans, um, just our experience of life, what, what do we already have like preconceived ideas of and mm. how can I leverage those to get you to understand the story without me telling it to you you know you know and yeah. I, I love that concept of of how can i take our shared experience of just life the world relationships and 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 take what i know we all know mm-hmm. and and leverage that into the story yeah. to where you also feel like a participant yeah because you're you know i always equate it to you know uh if you're at like a coffee shop by yourself and you're just sitting there and eavesdropping mm-hmm. you hear like little bits of conversation here and there you don't know these people you don't know the situation you're not you didn't come in at the beginning of the conversation mm-hmm. but you kind of get it you yeah start a little bit oh okay they're dating they're definitely not married they're dating yeah um also let me double check that yep no ring on the finger they're dating and oh man they're having a fight what's the fight about and then you can start you know uh picking things oh i bet you it's about this and, yeah um, you can start figuring things out based on those things. And, and um, that sort of concept has been something that really interests me. Mm. Um, and, and I used my short films to, uh, to kind of chase down. I think I'll always be chasing it a little bit. Mm. Um, but it definitely helped, uh, helped uh, show me where too far is, where, yeah. where I took it too far, to help me rope it back. So as I you know, work on uh, these features, mm. pitches, and, and scripts, you know, it helps me flesh things out a little bit more. Um, understanding, okay, the audience, this is going to be, this is too much. I need to, I need to give them something here, you know? So, so I mean, short films, sketches, whatever you want to call them. That's always the advice I give everyone. Mm. Do as much as you can as often as you can, because the more you do, the more you try, the more you experiment Mm. with these things, the more experience you're giving yourself to figure out what's going to work and what isn't, um, and refine all those ideas and concepts.
0: Yeah. Uh, and all, for ballistic also how long how long is it for you to write these things too because like you're pumping out these short films i mean i'm not like every week or every month but like you know a couple times to- a couple times a year if you think about it
1: okay. um the short films i write very fast mm-hmm. uh, uh, ballistic there were several drafts mm-hmm. but uh, i think the first draft i wrote in a day maybe two mm-hmm. max and then it just went through a bunch of revisions figuring it out yeah uh, how to make it work? Um, the Sentinel wasn't written um, yeah, yeah. proximity. We wrote in a couple days. I think it was four days. Mm-hmm. Pre- we were proximity in. Um, uh, uh, Ghost House was pretty sure one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? you, so it just depends. Most, most of it's you know very very quick.
0: Do you look for like a page length that you're like, all right, I need, I want ten pages at least. Like that's all for my short films or whatever. Like twenty page. Like how, do you have like a certain page length to help you like? maximize that time to write in a sense Um,
1: it, it, like a page count as far as what? I need to write the pages before I'm done or a page count like I need to hit this many pages to make it
0: yeah I would say the second one the how many pages do you need to hit to make it uh, or do you just go I'm just gonna write to my little heart's content and then that's when it's done <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, I I think that second one it's just like what what does the film want to be
0: yeah okay <laughs>
1: and it kind of you know you have to be practical too Mm -hmm. so it's like you know as short as this can be the better ballistic was um bigger but it wanted to be bigger and i wanted it to be shorter but it didn't want it to be shorter but i was trying to get it so you know if i can get it you know sub 10 minutes that's preferred um because you can do more you know the Mm -hmm. less the less uh you know time you're filling the less you know, shoot time you have to have the more you know the more, or the more shoot time you can have to really hone in and take your time. You don't have to go as fast. Yeah. yeah. So you know, as as much as I could get that down, I would love to. But it's mm. it's always just about what is the thing? What does the thing want to be? And you know, I just write it. and and, and if it's going too long, it's. Maybe this isn't a short film. You know, gotcha. maybe this is maybe I'm not doing the right thing here. Maybe this needs to just move back. Um, but I wrote so many short films that toward the end, um, you know, that it kind of just falls in line. You yeah. kinda there's like a, a vibe there and you kind of just hit those those numbers, that area. Yeah. Um uh but like I said, ballistic was something that just kept building on itself. Mm-hmm. Um initially it was just gonna be I was just gonna do a sequence and then I was like, ah. And then, and then I added it. Uh, I added in a bunch, and I was like, you know, this could be this thing that I've always wanted to yeah. do, and it could be kind of like a test run of this thing. Um, So I like, put this in there, and it
0: uh, kind of evolved from that. Did did you do you put any of these films in the uh, film festivals? By the way, yeah. I've, I've only ever done a film festival once, mm-hmm. and that was with Tell
1: way back in there. I think oh, yeah. that was 2012. And the only reason I even did that was so I could talk about it on Film Riot. Um, Yeah. Uh, I think film festivals are great and people you know should definitely do them great communities and stuff but it just didn't really seem like a path for me especially the type of stuff that I like to make and I wasn't really interested in spending a ton of time yeah. on you know making an artful you know what? What festivals are looking for are, yeah. were, you know, aren't the type of short films that I wanted to make. And mm. putting something on YouTube where people would be excited about and enjoy themselves and just be for an audience—that was the type of stuff I wanted to make. Yeah. And you know, stuff that I could, you know, do and show to an audience and get that instant feedback from an audience, not a panel of judges, mm. um, is was really kind of more the the path that seemed right for me. Although, again. I love film festivals. I've been a judge of of several film festivals, and I think they're fantastic. People should absolutely do them. I think more than anything else, I just really lucked out with Film Riot. You know, yeah. having having an audience to bring it to. You yeah, know? that's what film <clears throat> film festivals definitely do for people, which is really wonderful.
2: Yeah. Uh, so
1: you know, I had that option. So I, yeah. I and I and I get how lucky <laughs> I am to uh, have been you know blessed with that option.
0: Definitely, um, definitely so, is it so, tough is it tough so just,
1: to judge
0: like, what's up is it tough to judge film festivals <laughs> like
1: <laughs> yeah because there's an aspect to it where it's like you know you have taste your taste this yeah. is my taste and, and you know so it's such a subjective thing and you have that in mind and uh so it's like what's the criteria of this you know <laughs> you know yeah. this this film festival is it what are we looking for exactly and um so it can get a little bit uh difficult um you know, because you want the deserving party to win. And it's like, well, which one is, how do I say? It's like at the end of the year, it's like, what was my number one favorite film? And it's like, I, I don't know. This film was incredible because of this. This film was incredible mm-hmm. because of that, you know, awards and whatnot. It's yeah. like, but they were all amazing. So, you know, it's like the same thing. It's, you're boiling it down to like one, and it's yeah. a little weird because they were all great in <laughs> their own. So it's like, I got this one, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hello. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. I, I thought I lost you for a second.
2: <laughs> no, no, I'm
0: here. Sorry. Right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, <do> you know? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> he hates me now. No. Uh. Uh. So going to there comes a the knocking. Um. Now, why did you do a proof of concept for that? Um, if I may ask, because you know y- your name, Film Riot, that whole thing. You know, you don't like, I feel like you have the Cl- I guess cloud is the right word maybe to like do a feature film like, or have the backing from, you know, your community to like do a feature film in that regard.
1: Uh, I mean, yes and no. Um, you know, you, we could try the Kickstarter thing, but who knows what would happen with that? You know, yeah. I, you, you never know. Yeah. And, 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 and that feels, um, like a last resort for me, like gotcha. asking the audience, uh, you know for the handout to do that and, yeah. then, and then you're starting a business on top of a business because you oh. know kickstarter is very much a business so then True. now you got to keep all that in mind and it's just the idea of having to think about that and run that on top of trying to make my first feature just sounds like oh god <laughs> you know yeah yeah and uh we're definitely in a place where i can absolutely make the feature by myself mm. um you know if i need to but uh what i would really love is to be um, surrounded by really smart people who have an insane amount of experience, way more experience than I have, yeah. uh, to collaborate with with those people in that way, and you know, be able to not have to worry about budgets and, yeah. and, and releases and release schedules and how we're going to sell this thing, and mm. you know, not worry about that. Just worry about making my film. Yeah, um, you know that that is Plan A. Uh, mm-hmm. That I would love for it to be that. Yeah. If it's not that, then I'm just going to make it myself for sure. You know, we're we're at the place now where it's like you know, I'm I'm, I'm pitching now and I'm going to give it some time. And yeah. If that doesn't you know land, then screw it. I'll do it myself. <laughs> and then you know, and then it'll be off to figuring that out and figuring out, um, you know, financing at that point. Mm. Yeah. You know, who who we need to bring in to make that work? But the proof of concept was done at request of my managers. ballistic gotcha helped me get some managers I talked mm-hmm. to a lot of producers we started developing a feature version of ballistic which who knows if anything will ever come of that but yeah. you know we we had that going for a bit and that's kind of back for now because that would be a very large project yeah um, but uh, you know I sent them there comes a knocking which is something that uh, I've had an idea for for about like I don't even know 7 years or so okay. 6 like that <clears throat> but I hadn't written the script yet I just had the idea and I was trying to try to figure it out and then um, you know, very recently at that time, which is like a year or more, um, I finally figured it out, like what I wanted to do with it, mm. uh, that it was from the – I was looking through the wrong perspective. And once I figured that out, then it all fell into place. And I wrote a scriptment, which ended up being like – I have to look. Did you, say it like a, a
0: did you say a scriptment? Sorry. Did you say a scriptment? Yeah. What uh, is, I never heard of that.
1: Oh, OK. Uh, a scriptment is yeah. somewhere between a script and an outline. OK um uh i learned about it because james uh james cameron mm. does and he did one for uh the spider-man film he wanted to make it's like oh, a yes. 70 page
2: document yeah <clears throat> so Bad i read thing. that for forever ago
1: forever ago <laughs> and, and and i just i just don't like outlines and stuff yeah and, and uh, i i wanted to show my managers what i was thinking about but i also wanted to write the script and mm. so i decided to I started trying to write an outline and it just became a and I couldn't help myself. Yeah. I ended up writing scenes. So, you know, there's big chunks that are like a full blown written scene. And yeah. then there would be a part where she calls her mother. Her mother says these things. This is the point of this scene.
0: Oh my God. I might you like know? this. I had to do this now. I feel like a scriptment's my, my calling. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: yeah, man. And well, what was great about it, um, which I stumbled into accidentally yeah. because this is, this is the first, feature length script I've, I've written like a 60 page script but this is the mm. first finished feature length script i've ever written yeah and it just seemed like such a daunting task but yeah, once yeah. i had that scriptment there that was like no pressure stuff like if there were, if i hit a scene that was tough and i i was stuck i would just be like this generally happens and then i would move on so then i ended up with this like 50 60 page document that i could just now start filling gaps yeah and letting it bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger um, so that that really helped. But I, I sent them the scriptment along with a pitch doc, along with uh, you know a playlist of music mm-hmm. and uh, a tone guide and, and all this stuff. Oh wow! And they really responded to it and they dug it. And you know they 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 were have been like you know springboards mm-hmm. for ideas and and uh, they they've been giving me notes along the way. And so I would give it to them to read, and they would yeah. tell me what they thought, what problem areas were, and so we worked together to refine the script and. Um, and, you know, I am a first time director, yeah. even though I've directed, you know, technically 16, 17, something like that mm-hmm. short film, and I've done a ton of stuff, but first time feature director. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's a gamble for anyone. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different beast. And I hadn't done horror since tell, which is yeah. 2012. And it looks like I made it, you know, like 10 plus years ago. So um, that wasn't going to help us at all. Yeah. So they, you know, asked, you know, hey, could you put together a thing and and I was just like you know what yeah because I haven't made a short film in a while and I was itching and um and on top of that I get to kind of try out the tone a little bit Mm -hmm. and um ideas a little bit especially given that I knew I wouldn't have the resources that I really needed so it'd be like you know trying them with Without all the bells and whistles, so it's yeah. you know, really putting some ideas to test, and I figured out a lot of stuff by doing the short film about the feature. So it was yeah. extremely useful. I mean, so that... then the short film it was uh, about taking <clears throat> the that proof of concept and the script, and now we can send that around and you know show like, hey, here's the script and what he can do it <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: pretty much I mean yeah because I was like thinking about that I'm like what like did you write the feature first or did you write the proof of concept like how was that like you know and now you're like oh no scriptment so the, the scriptment turned into the feature then if, if I'm hearing that correctly or is it like more or less like still that proof of concept in a sense
1: yeah I wrote a I wrote a pitch doc first to kind of okay. it's kind of become my process of I start with, I have my concept mm-hmm. and I'll just do like an Evernote doc or a Google yeah. doc doc or whatever it is. And I'll start bullying and bulleting out like ideas, yeah. <clears throat> um, characters with what their motivations are. What, what are they in this for? Uh, who's the lead? Why is that the lead? Why does that have to be the lead? Yeah. Um, yeah, <clears throat> what the theme is what does that mean you know and i, I start figuring all that stuff out slowly but surely mm. and then you know that ends up starting to become a pitch doc which yeah, yeah. you know is however many pages they've ranged from like yeah seven pages to 20 pages depending mm-hmm. on what it is and and that that ends up you know ends up with be you know, while i'm making the pitch doc i'm creating a playlist of music so i'm starting to find the tone through music and i'm gathering images that mm that kind of speak to the thing that i have in my head that i'm trying to do and then and it starts to visualize and take shape and and um and then after that then i start on uh at the time i thought it was going to be an outline but yeah. then it ended up becoming a scriptment which at first before i even did the scriptment i did a beat board okay which is you know this happens then this happens and this happens and that and and final draft has a really great beat board mm-hmm. um and but it's you know same thing as putting note cards on a wall you tacking note cards on a wall but i just like to do things digitally that way i can have it wherever i go um but you know that allowed me to like visualize it and move. you know what if i put this here that allows this to be more impactful and that really helped me get a bird's eye view too because setups and payoffs are really important to me so it's like okay so this is going to happen down here so if i have this thing happen up here or mentioned then we're leading into that and it's not just something that happens we're Mm -hmm. we're creating like that flow Um, and then after the beat board, then I was going to do an outline and that outline turned into, you know, the scriptment. and then after the scriptment was done and I, I showed that to my managers, like I, you know, like I said, and, um, and, and they really responded to it. And, uh, uh, and then I just went and wrote the script uh, off of that, which the beatboard still was a big help with that because mm-hmm. that had ended up becoming, you know, kind of my note process as I would yeah. add more and more details in there and even what things meant and uh, flesh out ideas to the beatboard and then bring them into what was now refining from a scriptment into a script.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that was kind of the process overall.
0: Then in that process, if I may ask, if I'm getting it correctly, then in that process, you're making that proof of concept. And you're condensing it all down, right, to a smaller proof of concept to film.
1: Kind of. So it, it, we were. I got the script to a place that we really liked, but it okay. wasn't done. we were, I was still about two drafts away from it being ready to send out. Yeah. Um. And that's when I started working on the short. Mm. And I didn't want to um pluck a scene out of the film or yeah. anything like that. So I just wrote something. My idea was, what if this, the proof of concept happened before or after the film so okay. it's happening to somebody else but it has the same concepts it, there's one or two things that happens in the short that something extreme extremely similar happens in the, the feature yeah so for those who've seen the short and watched the feature it'll be like oh hey <laughs> that thing um but uh yeah it's 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 separate from the feature itself gotcha
0: so like it, i mean you were saying it can happen before or after the feature so then it's like a spiritual prequel sequel
1: Kind of, yeah, um, yeah. It's like you know, what if somebody else had yeah. that door?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure I got the facts correct. I don't want to be like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, no, he. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> wait a so, so what? Uh, what music was influencing you for the move? Uh, for the you know for this whole process, um, and then also what horror influences uh, you know you looked at when you were creating the feel of the movie? Um, the
1: the music was. A mixture of a lot of things. I listen to a lot of uh, the Hereditary soundtrack. Okay. Um, uh, the uh, that that podcast lore, um, Chad Lawson mm-hmm. who composes it, and he has an album. I don't think the that music is in the podcast, but he has an album that has a lot of uh, really great. Um, tones and vibes to to what I was cry, uh, trying to accomplish because yeah. it, it has this like haunting quality to to one of the tracks there's a track called ash mm-hmm. um, I think it's from uh, his album I think it's dark conclusions mm-hmm. and that just uh, kind of uh, encapsulated sort of the overall feel of the feature yeah uh, that it, it there's this uh, sadness this somber tone to it and then there's like a dark underbelly to it um, but it's also kind of beautiful at the same time. so it, it really worked well for what I was trying to do mm-hmm. um, feature it as, as a whole. So there was a lot of that. some sixth sense was in there. okay <clears throat> Crimson Peak, uh, Mama had some great um, so it was like a little like a couple of tracks from from um, a bunch of different things. Yeah. I, I think, I'm, I'm sure the conjuring was in there um, uh, l- more recently, as I keep adding to the playlist, Chernobyl, <laughs> okay. Joker. Um, those those have uh, gone into there as well. Yeah. So it's, it's it's not like one single thing sort of mm-hmm. has the hey here it is. It's like pieces of different things work for different sections yeah. to kind of, to help paint the overall picture that, that I was trying to to paint because very similar to the short film uh, the feature is a drama yeah and then a horror film yes I mean, you know um so so the, it's a character drama mm-hmm. and um. Uh, uh, and then horror finds its way in, um, and at some point it does have, you know, like the short film has. It has that welcome to the horror movie moment. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't kind of um, flip on a dime like the short film does, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's definitely that juggling between those two tones. I think overall.
0: And it, was it easy to balance those two tones for you when you? I mean, in the I guess in the, maybe more of the editing process in that sense, like trying to balance those two tones or was that in, in the, in in the short film or in, the writing short, the script? In, the, in the short film I, I would say then too as well as writing the in script the, maybe both the, the short film I, I really um, I really enjoyed the idea
1: of it not being a horror film and mm-hmm. then halfway through it's a horror film
2: yeah um,
1: I, I, I really liked uh, that aspect of it and sort of leading into the horror film and like the whole time you kind of know we're going in that mm-hmm. direction And and letting it sort of take its time a little bit with that, you know, live with her just a little bit. I I really enjoyed that. So, I guess with the short film specifically, again, I didn't let myself. Because, you know, it's a little stress. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It's a little stressful. I'm making this one for a reason. You yeah, know, yeah. whereas Ballistic, it was like I'm making it for the reason of experience yeah. and it's going to be fun and I'm stoked that I'm making the thing. Mm-hmm. And and that's really stressful, of course, because you have a whole crew and everybody's good. Yeah. But this one had the added, you know, nerve-wracking factor of you know, this is going to be shown to, Sir, so I know who it's going to be shown to. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I want to make features, man. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know I yeah. Desperately. Yeah. It's, what, it's what I want to do my whole life. And and um, this could be, you know, what helps me get to that. So I added that extra. And mm. so I had to like push that aside and ignore that completely and yeah. pretend it didn't exist. That way I wasn't um, sort of adding unneeded strains to the thing because I think that would have altered how I like to make you know, tell stories and make yeah. a project. Um, so for me, it was just like, what all the other short films, what fascinates me about mm. this and chasing that? What does this want to be? And then yeah. chase that and, and just let the story become and be what I felt like it was, you know, for the, the pretend, pretentious way of putting it, but I don't know how else to put it because it's just kind of true. It's like, what is the story telling you it wants to be? And I guess what mm. I mean by that, I don't know if it's what everybody means by that, but it's that instinct, you know, that gut, Thing yeah, yeah. like you're writing something and it just feels wrong. You read it back and you're like, that doesn't work. Yeah. And, and you know, your gut's telling you it doesn't work. And for me, that's the, you know, the story, quote unquote, mm. telling me what it wants to be. Um, so I think it's like uh, when the story is telling you what it wants to be, it's really just your instinct yeah. and taste. Um, it, it's those times where you can't fully articulate or intellectualize why the thing, yeah. but you, but you know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I I really try to chase that. Um, the only times that I've really gone against that, I really regretted it. So yeah. I, I try never to go against that. Um, <clears throat> but I, I usually do to some extent at some point in every project, and I'm always a little bummed that I did. But uh, but yeah. So the short film was very much about chasing that, and yeah. you know that first um, half. What really interested me was that moment, those moments with her and figuring out what exactly happened and that again that idea of being at the coffee shop and yeah we hearing because i don't tell you anything like i show you the roses and then i show you the picture and then um. okay well you know what i mean yeah. and then you hear the voicemail okay and and for most people and and it was also an i mean i guess it maybe it was a bad idea to experiment on this one but i can't help myself so i wanted to experiment with that with like it, showing you those things was it too much was yeah. that the right amount to when we get to the voicemail is that when it clicks for you and so i was able to ask a ton of people and you know get feedback on on uh their experience of the story and mm-hmm. and it was very interesting and the majority of people got the vibe got the vibe of it like yeah. obviously death or left something happened here and then when the voicemail hit um the majority it clicked for them then and and it had the impact i was hoping for but then some uh a couple people told me that once they saw the rose they knew and then once they saw her they were like got it and then they saw the picture and they're like yeah i'm right yeah um and and but it still worked for them thankfully um because it was still uh that that's what i really like about telling stories that way is because it allows you to um engage in that way and you're like, oh, I, I figured this out before he told me, and there's a rewarding factor to it. It just can't be the thing where it's like stop taking your time to tell me the thing I already mm-hmm. know. Like that's yeah. when it's bad.
0: Yeah, and um, <laughs> it's funny because I was about to ask you that or tell you that. I'm like, yeah, it's it's isn't it like interesting how people's brains work and like how they figure out things on their own and shit like where it's like, oh, you know, he's dead or like, you know, shit like that, which I, I was like, oh, shit, that's funny <laughs> you mentioned that
2: yeah totally yeah
1: yeah for sure um so that that was really so yeah. even you know this latest short film even though i was doing it uh as a proof of concept for a thing it was you know still taking the opportunity to see what i could you know learn and figure yeah. out because you know i mean i don't think you've ever stopped learning it no was, yeah Never to stopped. our heroes talking about their latest films and you expect them to be like oh yeah it's just, of course i did it that way i'm a genius but they're like i had to figure this out and this wasn't yeah. working and it's like man if If the god of film is talking that way, I'm going to be figuring things out forever. And it's also, you know, it's a little comforting, too, because it's like, man, that's how I feel. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) It it almost gives you confidence that it's like, oh, none of us know. Okay.
0: (laughs) especially like, uh, you know, perfect examples like Spielberg with Ready Player One and like learning that whole technology with the VR, uh, that VR, I think it was that stuff that they were doing when they were trying to do the animation for the video game aspect of it. And you see him with the VR goggles on and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah, for sure. So, um, Definitely. I, I don't know if that's like, I think that makes sense to what you're talking about. I feel like I'm, maybe now I just kind of didn't make sense to what we were talking about. No, no, no. That no, makes sense I was like, like, oh, shit. No.
2: Like
1: two aspects, right? It's yeah. like, it's like the technical aspect yeah. and, uh, well, I guess the the technology yeah. aspect. And then, you know, like even scorsese in the Meet the Nominees, DJA, um, uh, Podcast they did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's talking about a scene that it's relative. When you think about it, you're like, yeah, that's a simple scene, but he's talking about how difficult it was to make sure it worked. And it's really just one character, mm-hmm. and a couple of shots. So it's like, man, it, it never stops being that, which is, again, I find comfort in it. Yeah. It never stops because there's a lot of times where, you know, I did an animatic for the in uh, There Comes a Knocking for the phone scene because yeah. I, I really wanted to, to not cut. Um, once we got to a point and just live with it. And, and that felt like, oh man, is that pacing going to work? And mm-hmm. I was stressed about it, but I felt like that's really what I wanted it to be, that I wanted it to be like, we're looking at the phone mm. and then we realized and we're like, oh shit. And then we look at her yeah, and, um, and and it felt, it felt right for the moment. Yeah. Um, whether it worked for people or not, you know, it's up to the audience. But that's what it felt like it needed to be, and so I did uh, an animatic on that to to test it, to test the pacing, to test test the the cadence of the call, you know, how yeah. how that you know, the musicality of the moment. Um, so so it's it's nice to know that it's like, all right, I'm not I'm not a total hack. <laughs> These yeah, things yeah. are just Do, difficult. You never it, know.
0: The animatic was a uh, Tracer, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay. And That's right. a question about that too is like do you do you use the animatic more than storyboards or like do you do shot list? How how do you kind of prepare that? Like I know people are very like iffy about I mean not iffy but like they they have a preference more than the other like about shot list over storyboards because I mean uh, I it depends yeah. on the
1: project. Um, okay.
0: like Sentinel I didn't do anything at all. Yeah. yeah. Ballistic
1: I just did shot lists. I don't mm. think I did any storyboards oh, for okay. Ballistic. Um uh, I would have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure I didn't do any storyboards for Ballistic. Um, I just uh, I just shot listed everything and had a lot of conversations with my DP. Mm. Then uh, with There Comes a Knocking, I storyboarded almost the entire thing, with the exception of just a handful of shots.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I really like storyboarding, especially with something like Cinetrazer, because mm. you know you're able to go i relate to a lot of the stuff that you know hitchcock says where it's you know the idea of making the movie before you're making the movie and i really enjoy that yeah not because here's the locked movie and this is what we're making period nope it changes a ton yeah and there comes the knocking changed quite a bit from my plan ballistic changed completely (laughs) from my plan uh there were there were some stuff that you know the through lines really stayed like uh, how i transitioned Mm -hmm. stayed for the most part um, uh, but, um, uh, there comes a knocking Stayed pretty close to the plan because it, it was a very tight and technical piece. Um, <clears throat> but it, it altered quite a bit just yeah. because it, it has to, but I, I really love making a very solid backbone mm-hmm. to what we're about to do. Um, it's like what I talk about on film, right? Because yeah. then, then once I have that plan A, when we inevitably have to go to a plan B, mm-hmm. I can then, you know, look at, well, why was I doing that in plan A? Yeah. Okay, here's how, you know, and just making sure the decisions I make aren't arbitrary ones, obviously. Like, everything means something. Everything's for a reason. The camera's yeah. at this, this height for a reason. The camera's, uh, we have this lens on the, the, the camera for a reason. Mm. And here's that psychological reason. This is what I'm trying to do for yeah. the audiences. The, the perspective the experience that i want to give them we can't do plan a Mm. here's what else would give us that that end result um so it really just gives me a really solid foundation Mm. so i i i'm very visual too and how i like prep and whatnot so having boards um even even if I don't make boards, just going into Syna tracer and trying out ideas and mm. sometimes it's with my phone and being like, you know, hey, can you do this real quick? And then taking my cell phone, especially once we had the location. I did a lot yeah. of that. Um, just taking my cell phone or um, you know, the black magic camera and having someone just, you know, loosely walk out a moment and yeah. look at that through the camera and how's it gonna feel and that really helps you refine.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, question too because like, I mean, I don't storyboard or, uh, you know, that much. And, and I'm, I'm just curious, too, and like th- the more the, about the thinking about it, too, is like when you storyboard, do you know your locations already or do you like kind of storyboard before you get the location? Because you were mentioning like, you know, you go to a location and you're, you know, doing other things with it to, or trying to figure out what else you want to do.
1: With there comes a knocking because it was so specific mm-hmm. to the script, like we had to find a place that was very specific yeah it it was a little bit of both um i I was already boarding yeah yeah. um for the most part um but i was taking my time hoping we'd find a location so i could start catering it to the location Mm -hmm. so i switched a lot of things around once we knew exactly what the what the location looked like but we spent a lot of time finding a location that would work for the script um because you know like i I think i said on film right like i always do i very annoyingly Uh, wrote very specific to (laughs) to location so it had to be something that um that worked which usually you know it always alters a bit but we Mm -hmm. ended up finding something um that worked perfectly to to what i wrote thankfully
0: and also to add on your uh topic about like the storyboards and all that stuff too i mean filmmaking is like it's murphy's law basically in a nutshell (laughs) Because again, like you said, you storyboard 100%. for something, and then and then uh, and then something, and then you get there and you have to change it up a little bit. But you have a backbone at least.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. Because you know the things are gonna go wrong every time without fail. It's yep. just I've never been on a production where everything went right ever.
0: I mean, I know young, like a lot of young filmmakers or like new filmmakers, I know like like are trying to make storyboards and they're sticking. They want to stick to the storyboard, and I don't think they understand that. You can't always stick to it, so that's why I was asking about that as well. And I, I know *Parasite* did that with um. I can't pronounce his name. I'm terrible at names, so I'm, so I'm not gonna the guy who directed *Parasite*. Hong uh, Ho? Yes, thank you. I like again. I'm terrible at last names and names in general. So I don't want to butcher anyone's like name. Yeah, same. So I'm not gonna not gonna try and
1: be I'm always rude. terrified when I have to say someone's name because I'll I'll mess up I'll mess I'll mess up Bob. Yeah.
0: So
1: there used a- to be the running joke with me and Josh when we did a show called Film State because I would yeah. have to say people's names. And ninety percent of the show was just me demolishing
0: people's names. It was just terrible. Yeah, I've I've practiced names before people being on the podcast and I like still mess up and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: Uh Uh-huh. You always just Google it. You got to find somebody else saying the name.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Or it's like someone I know, and I'm like, how do you pronounce your last name? Oh, shit. It's Jim. (laughs) (laughs) With a G. (laughs) Oh and, and just my name is also John.
1: How did you screw that up?
0: Hey, people spell it the J-O-N and J-O-H-N. I'm the I'm the correct way, which is J-O-H-N, okay. Oh, shots fired. Hey, you know, my, my roommate's name is Jonathan, so I and you know, we go to go by his last name, so it's it's all good, yeah. I guess. <laughs> We, we don't argue about our names, so it's fine. Uh, I, ha- I, I, have a, I have a quick side tangent about horror films, too, real quick with you. Did you see the new Candyman trailer, by the way? I just want to get your thoughts on that if you did.
1: Uh, no, I haven't.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, then never mind. Ex-nay ne- this question, but we'll leave it in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the next question I have for you is, like, the, uh, what was the editing process for this film, is it the same as all your other films? Obviously, not like in the style of genre, but like the I guess the workflow and how you how you do it, or is it different for all your films?
1: It's been um, somewhat different mm-hmm. for all of my films, yeah. just because uh, I was editing my own films for yes. a long time, and you know I I'm not uh, the most organized person in the world. Um especially for when admitting it comes that. To that stuff. I I just want to get in and you know start cutting so yeah. I don't prep properly and you know, so Lucas doing it was just glorious like, Oh my god, look yeah. at this project. How'd you meet Lucas?
0: How'd you guys how'd you guys meet? Cause I know he's in St. Louis or in Texas. I mean, unless you guys knew each other in college. I I mean I'm just wondering.
1: We found each other on a dating app. Oh, that's good. Uh, good for you uh, guys.
0: <laughs> Congratulations. No, uh, How
1: long? Th- th- uh, uh two years um he works with ryan booth and okay. i saw this thing that he cut for ryan booth which actually was a doc oh. um yeah it was this short doc on uh this uh this really talented uh, high school football player that you know all these coaches uh, or colleges wanted and, but his opening sequence was this incredibly cut um uh montage piece that he basically cut it like an action film oh wow And I was, I was really blown away by it just um just his his uh again the cadence of his cutting how he used sound it was i, I responded to it i responded more to that than anybody's editing work that i had seen so I, was, I asked you know booth if he would get me in contact with him and and we talked and, and really hit it off and uh uh out of all my collaborators, we see so very eye to eye. Like we love all the same films. We speak the exact same language. We have the exact same sense of humor. We come to the exact same conclusions, (laughs) you know. Um, So it was such a perfect, cause you know, that's what I want from an editor. Somebody that, uh, you know, the two of us are just on the exact same plane Mm -hmm. because that's, you know, it's a, it's another form of directing, you know, Make the film when you write you Make the film when you shoot it. You make the film when you edit it, and that's really the the time where you really make the film. Yeah. Um, so if I was going to have an editor, which uh, you know, a buddy of mine has been telling me for years, I needed to have one, mm-hmm. uh, so I could step back a little. Not not that he was insulting my editing, but to step back away from the project because yeah. I do love editing. Yeah. Um, but being able to back away and look at it more of a bird's eye view and not be <clears throat> sort of hindered by how hard it was to cut that little 32nd piece. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at what's right for the film. Yeah. Um, same as with cinematography or anything else that mm-hmm. I, that I took my hands off of and back to way to just be director. Yeah. Um, I just found so much, uh, um, value in that. And on top of that, Lucas is just a better editor. Yeah. And, uh, um, he's bringing ideas that maybe I wouldn't have thought of, um, and just having that second voice, so when a problem arises, which it always does in yeah. first, always, yep. Um, you know, you have that second brain and one that thinks just in the same taste as yours, um, but we're you know we're bringing different experiences to that taste. Yeah. Um, so you know we're able to come up with more interesting solutions and bounce yeah. ideas off of each other. So it's it's a really really great process and um you know i don't want to be an editor so i've yeah. never spent a ton of time trying to really dial in a proper professional post process mm-hmm. like as far as how it should be structured and organized yeah. and you know uh, managed and whereas lucas has that on lock it yeah. is what he does so you know that really helped quite a bit as well um, you know, so it was, it was pretty much just a match made in heaven you know, from, <laughs> from square one. Just yeah. The first time we met, it was like, oh yeah, this is, this is a long term like relationship <laughs> for sure. And, and it's, you know, it wasn't just, uh, we, we became fast friends too, yeah, which, yeah. you know, it's really important because you're sitting in an editing room for a very long time with each other yeah. all the time. <laughs> so, you know, we're laughing a lot and having a ton of, ton of fun. Mm-hmm. I needed an editor that would be a hundred percent down um to do instagram stories while we're cutting and just make ourselves look like idiots and laugh at ton. you know it needed yeah. to be on top of everything else it needed to be that sort of person that yeah, yeah. you know down to have fun um <clears throat> and he very much is and uh he's become even just a part of uh my process as a whole like yeah. um with the feature for There Comes a Knocking, he's been extremely valuable in reading the scripts. And mm-hmm. I call him just to bounce ideas off of him with every idea that oh, I have. You know, I'm yeah. working on other pitches and I always call him to bounce those off of him. So uh, with uh, There Comes a Knocking, the short film, he was involved from square one and you know, hopefully with the feature and, and anything else I'd make, it would be the same thing, You're just involved from pre-production on.
0: Now, uh, my uh, question for you, uh, for the, uh, Lucas as well, for what he was doing workflow-wise, um, going back to Here Comes the Knocking uh, for the production part of it, I know he was doing the dailies and, um, you know, doing a, a rush, I guess, edit in a sense. Like, how that, like, did he, like, just stay, like, how long, how, what was the turnaround on that? Because it, it seemed like, you know, I guess you just capture the card, download it, he just start editing the stuff? Did you kind of shoot that in order or like, just to make that I, I mean, just wondering that process there. I don't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now.
1: I think I accidentally clicked mute. <laughs> Sorry about that. They're like
0: cursing at me. Like this is <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> uh,
1: on set, it it wasn't as much about actually cutting the scene, cutting the scene. Uh-huh. It was, you know, he would assemble what he could. And, okay. Yeah, you know, he would start putting together, you know, the 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 dailies mm-hmm. and the, you know, finding some of the best takes and um, really keeping an eye on continuity yeah. looks. So if we needed, hey, we need to see this shot because we're doing a turnaround and we need to make sure about this color here or this light here. He would be able to run over with the iPad and and show us what we had so he was keeping track of all that what we did have what we didn't have because just like chase he was lockstep with me yeah on what the plan was what i was going for what my vision for the thing was um so him me him and chase uh it was the same thing in ballistic the same team Mm -hmm. ballistic i called this the triforce uh the same thing with this one it was just the three of us you know having our powwows and figuring things out and i'm getting together and hey what can we cut what do we need what do we need to do here because you know i never get all the shots i want Yeah, yeah i don't know that does um but then after because we only shot for two days yeah. Then after the first day of shooting he was able to take that back to the hotel mm. and cut uh quick bits together of what we did and there was so little coverage in this um, you know the ballistic there we had two to three cameras shooting at all the time to- all times at one point we had yeah. like six cameras rolling um it wasn't uncommon to have four to five cameras rolling mm. so there was so much footage and not oh, only yeah. that there was just you know tons of different takes. This was a totally different beast. It was Mm -hmm. a single camera shoot and it was designed to have a very little coverage, long take, long shots. So he was able to take that and piece that together very quickly for us to see, Oh, we, we need this, and we need that, and uh, really happy with that because it, it saved us quite a bit um, with a couple of things. Um, I was like, oh, man, we really do need that close-up after all. Yeah. Like, okay, let's grab that today. We'll fit it in this shot. So that's kind of how that worked on yeah. um, during production.
0: And, and what pro- I saw him, uh the iPad, like you are saying, um, what program was he using? Because I was like, what is that program? Just uh, I never saw that before. Uh, it's Adobe um is it rushes oh oh shit that's what rush is? i mean i know rush was i thought rush was the um the one for your you know to make quick edits on your phone i didn't know there was like a scene th- I, I never really used rush yet so i'm i'm i, I a I little knowledge that one. I, I can find out and let you
1: know but i, I, okay. I think it's that one oh okay, wait i was just curious
0: um and then how many different cuts of the movie is there of of there comes a the knocking
1: uh man like how many versions yeah did how you many go how many versions
0: did you guys go through and like was it hard to kill the babies
1: <laughs> i don't know um we had i had a locked amount of time mm. um, to be there and then um there were more versions of ballistic obviously yeah. that was a harder piece to crack um only a couple i don't remember the exact number but mm. um only a couple uh Cause it was kind of like fine tuning. It wasn't like uh, overall cause it was like, you know, what I shot was what we were making. I didn't really, whereas like ballistic, there were things mm. that you could do to change things and alter scenes entirely, which yeah. we did. Um, with this, the way that I shot it, I pretty much just baked it in. So mm. It just was what it was going to be. There wasn't too much um, that we could do out, outside of that. So there weren't too many versions. Um, I would say less than 10 for oh, okay. sure. Well, that's
0: good. Um <laughs>
1: Yeah, and as far as uh, killing babies, that's never been a problem. That sounds horrible. I have no problem with killing babies. I, I, hey, is uh, it, uh, is, it's a term my yeah, friend yeah. does
0: uses, and he's an editor, and he's like, "I kill the babies." I'm like, "Yeah,
1: no." I mean, everybody <laughs> says that. It just always feels wrong I, to say it. I said um, that to someone once, you, by yeah, the look,
0: way. I said that to someone yeah. once, and they're like, "What?" I'm like, "You never heard that term?" They're like, "No." I'm like,
1: "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh." Well, I don't mean actual children. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, uh, but. Uh, i've never really had too much of a problem with that Mm -hmm. um it's always like does it does it work no get it get rid of it yeah um i'm sure earlier on i definitely did but now um i can be ruthless uh you know lucas is great at stopping me from being too ruthless and being like no that 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 should stay um but you know know, there's always shots where it's like i love that shot it's a bummer to leave it to take it out but if it's not assisting the film, in the end, yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. You, you, it's not gonna uh, make you look better. It's gonna make you look worse. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, just thinking that in those terms have always made it very easy to, you know, cut, 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 chop, chop, chop. Yeah, yeah. be gone. I don't need you. Go. <laughs> you <know? laughs> um Sometimes, you know, there is a shot that its purpose is to heighten the the value of mm-hmm. what you're doing to To breathe confidence into the viewer, to let them know this is more than, um, you know what maybe than, than what they expected, you know, perhaps yeah. you know, to up that production value uh, in a way, you know. So there are shots that that's their their purpose, but that mm. has value and is important. So those shots can say, but it needs to advance the film in in some way, and if it doesn't, it just goes
0: what was the rough cut longer than the actual cut then too if you I mean I know you said baked in you have like the baked in shots and what you want and all that stuff is that is like what you what you originally had on the timeline if you left it the same and just add it basically are subtracting and adding stuff did it turn out the same way as that cut that you loved I guess or like when you measured it up did it end up shorter it was
1: pretty close oh wow. and- In time um it didn't alter as far as the runtime goes it didn't Mm. alter too much yeah Um, it definitely altered a little bit Mm. um but everything's there it was just a matter of um moving through this like we moved through when she's putting on the door we moved through that a Mm. bit faster than um our first cut yeah um and you know some other things were paced up like when she initially walks towards the door once she hears the knocking Mm. that was paced up a little bit so it's about finding where is this thing dragging a little yeah. is usually it, it's pretty rare when something's moving too fast. It's yeah. usually it's dragging a little bit. Um, so it's, you know, finding those, those moments and then tightening that up, but it's already such a short piece. Um, I doubt that we tighten it more than 30 seconds.
0: Gotcha. And then I have to ask you, cause you said you don't edit your own stuff, but I'm pretty sure I saw you with a laptop open and premiere open. It looked like you had that movie up and running. So were you were you cutting also?
1: I was doing temp VFX. Okay, um, all right. Some stuff. I I think one one shot that I did stayed in the film, if I remember right. Um, uh, But temp VFX, so we could pass it off to our uh, the artists. Gotcha. um, uh, Messing around with you know what the trailer could be, uh, so so cutting ideas of the trailer in there uh stuff like that mm-hmm. um but but uh temp effects is really useful i'm just sitting behind lucas and it was like oh let's do this here i'll do it real quick and then mm-hmm. I, I put something you know really rough together toss yeah. that to him and he could chuck it in and it really helps to see the end product and it helps to show people like hey here's generally what we're thinking
0: gotcha and like was that like the to go xml i guess or something like that to give it to him because like you're not on the same or unless you're on the same server were you on a server by then, I guess.
1: Yeah, I had a hard drive with oh. all the um, the footage. Gotcha. And so he would just he could just send me a project, or he would just bounce
0: um, a shot and send me that. Gotcha. And okay. I would work with a single shot, so it would just depend on what it was exactly that I was doing. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then I have a question, uh, la- like second to last, qu- well, actually fourth to last question, maybe then. Uh, the heart. All right. So I kind of wrote this question before you told me about the drama. It's more of a drama. Uh, horror, but maybe... see. I'll I'll try my best with this. The horror genre is a wide game of subgenres, but if we look back at Tell, and we look at There Comes a Knocking, because they're similar in subgenres, what did you learn to improve upon in making There Comes a Knocking? Um... What did I prove? Uh, like, what did you see in Tell that you're like, well, I can improve. Like, and like if you look back at Tell and you go, what can I improve upon if I ever make another horror type film again in a horror thriller or a horror drama, dra- drama movie that I can like use but improve upon as well? I was trying to figure out how to correctly uh, tough, ask you tough. that. Uh, <laughs> um,
1: I, you know, I'm not sure. I, I don't, I, I don't know that I would be able to answer that that well because yeah, yeah. it's um, you know I'm a totally different filmmaker now than yeah. I was when I made Tell and, mm-hmm. and Tell um, when I made that it was very much there uh, a very hefty lack of experience there and, mm-hmm. and you know trying to figure things out so a lot of Tell was very much made on an instinct basis this gotcha. I'm doing this because it feels right and I can't even fully articulate to you why it's right but I know it's right mm-hmm. and, and it did work Um, So it was just a stepping stone. Um, A lot of the things that it taught me was being naive enough to not care that I was lingering Mm -hmm. and letting things just sit for a very long time. And um, that worked worked really well. So just uh, sort of um, playing with. Some of the things that I love the 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 slow burn nature of it all um, before you get into anything, um, uh, popping right into something you know, slams right into their their argument. uh, That stuff. So it was it was a nice uh, playground of of um, ideas for sure, Mm. um, but you know, riddled with. you know, it should know, pace issue like yeah. tightened up here or there or, you know, different things like that. But, um, you know, overall it, it, uh, I, I think it, you know, worked for the most part. It's definitely dated, yeah. <laughs> but it, it worked for the most part. And, um, I think it's just an, ex- you know, uh, experience thing you know it's okay. like, um things from ballistic you know helped me with there comes a knocking because yeah. you have those thriller um areas of ballistic where you know moves a little slow we slow down a little bit to move in with her and let mm-hmm. her look at the thing and then this happened that we're building to a point and it's kind of it kind of all you know, works with the, you know, the same ingredients for the most part. It's like, yeah. you know, you can make the exact same type of chicken, but then you add hot sauce. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so with horror, you're you adding a little hot sauce to it. Um right and you're horror killing, man. Has always been something that I've gravitated to. Yeah. So I think it's just something that's kind of um like in me a little bit. Yeah. And um I think that's very similar to comedy. I think horror and comedy are very similar. Mm-hmm. They're either in you or they're not. Gotcha. Um, you know, if you, if you're not funny, if you, you know, you're not generally funny in, in life, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, maybe you can't make a comedy. I don't know. Maybe that's not true, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but I don't, I definitely don't think anyone could make a comedy. I think, you know, it's, yeah. I don't know how well I would make a comedy, honestly. Um, I have ideas you, you for have, a
0: comedy, but not like the whole story. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So I have the <laughs> scenes, but I don't have the whole story. Like I think it's from like a to D I'll, I'll get a little bit of F and then I'm kind of perplexed of where to go from there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. But it, it's, it's just a different sort of, of pace. I think comedy and horror have um, a very similar um, sort of pace to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, overall, I, I just think it's a little bit of different ingredients in the same sort of meal. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I, That's the weirdest way to put it ever, but uh, hopefully that makes sense. But well, that's kind of how I've looked at it. And I think all the stuff I make, um, kind of uh, teaches me how to, you know, cook the meal properly.
0: Well, you made um, me hungry, so
2: <laughs> Me too
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, you mentioned chicken, and I've been, like, talking to people at work about uh, friggin' uh, Super Size Me Too, about, like, Holy Chicken and I've been having, like, chicken, like, the last three or four days since I've seen this movie now and now <laughs> you made me want ch- I was just getting out of the chicken trend, and now you made me want it again. Thank you well, I'm here to help <laughs> <laughs> You're very helpful <laughs> Uh, so what would uh present ryan say to past ryan today
1: um i think i uh i've talked about this a little bit on the show and i think my my answer hasn't changed much um it's 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 a boring answer but it's just like you know keep going yeah Um, because the only thing that i would um the only thing i would have altered is the lack of doing things but mm-hmm. thanks to film riot that kept me accountable you know i, yeah. I, I really lucked out with the show that i, I had to be making stuff mm-hmm. so every week without fail I, I definitely would not have made you know i made literally well into the thousand plus sketches gotcha. um, and well, there's no way in hell i would have done that over the course of 10 years without film riot there to do it and mm-hmm. and so thanks to that the one bit of advice uh i would have been like hey idiot why didn't you do this Mm -hmm. um i don't have to thanks to film riot uh because i think really just you look back at the filmmaker you were say 10 years ago 15 years ago and you know probably what you're gonna say is do make more stuff be passionate um and you know i i have an obsession towards film for sure i've i you you know what okay yeah there's one thing it's obsession toward film has always been a bit too much and I feel like I'm finally finding How so? uh, a bit more balance. Um, you know, <clears throat> I used to work seven days a week, mm. every week without fail, 15 to 20 hours a day, legitimately. Oh, wow. My 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 average work day was probably 15 to 17 hours. Um, and, you know, and then I was married and I was doing those hours. And so it's like, you know, all that wasted time, mm-hmm you could have had with family and you know it's not time that i got nothing out of i got experience and what i was doing out of mm-hmm. it but at what cost you know what i mean yeah. like at the cost of having that additional time with my le- the memories that really matter you know i yeah. always say when i'm 80 i'm not going to regret the movies i didn't make i'm going to regret the time with my family i missed and i've really been trying to pound that into my brain to yeah. curb you know how much my life has um balanced uh, out of weight toward work mm. uh, to balancing it all out, and I've gotten much better. Like uh, you know, the we I have two kids now, and mm. when my daughter was born, that really uh, made that qu- click quite a bit because they grow so f- friggin' fast. Yeah. Um, and that really helped me put that into perspective. And uh, I've been working really hard ever since then to find balance, and I, and I feel like I'm I'm I've found recently a really nice balance. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, I think that also has lent itself really well into, um, helping energize my creativity, like having that balance, having the time with my family, you know, it, you know, taking a step away from yeah. the, the, the stuff to, to recharge the batteries and come back to it. I found has, you know, made me more productive, productive in the hours that I'm, that I'm working. Uh, so that would probably be the only thing I would say is just, um, you know, to find balance sooner than later, you know, Mm -hmm. in the beginning you have to work your ass off, you have to work hard, but you know, I could have done six days a week, 10 hours a day instead of seven days a week, 15 to 17 hours a day, you know, know, finding that extra time, uh, is definitely the one thing I, I would do different.
0: Now, are you talking to past Ryan of 10 years ago or are you talking to past Ryan of like 10 years old? Would you say the same uh, thing or something different yeah. to him?
1: Yeah, I would say the, ten years old. I would say the same thing. And oh, okay. man, check uh, it. In a few years, here's what happens. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, you know, at ten years old, uh, not just keep going, man. Yeah. You know, it's like a lot of people send me um, short films mm-hmm. and they want feedback, and really the best possible feedback I could give on that specific thing, you know, depending on their level and what it was, is you know, great job. Congrats on finishing it. Go make another one. Keep going. Yeah. Um, because nothing, you know, when, okay. So I made, um, uh, uh, like a joke. It was called PMS, the horror movie, which is really immature, <laughs> like, uh, not great. Um, uh, it's still up online. It was a film ride thing. Um, and I sent it to, uh, James Wan And he was cool enough to respond and and he had a bunch of of notes, mostly pacing. And I just couldn't see what he meant to even fix it. Uh Like I couldn't see it. Um, And then I was like, I don't see what he's saying. Not that I thought he was wrong. Of course I thought he was right. But I was like, I don't know what to do because I'm not, and I'm not going to be emailing him every other second and be like, Mm. Hey man, can you define that? Um, So I, I tried to, you know, to do his notes, but I couldn't really figure it out. And then after, making stuff another thing and then another thing and then another thing and refining you know my uh ability to see the issues and Mm -hmm. i i I ended up looking back on it and i saw everything that he said i was like ah, there it is i see what he's saying
2: yeah
1: and so the pathway into that understanding was by doing so there's certain things that it's like you know, I could tell you this, but it's not going to be super helpful. It might actually even be discouraging because it was a little discouraging to me at the time because I just couldn't see yeah. what he was saying. Um, although I was super grateful, you know, that he took the time to to say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so sometimes I think the best advice you could possibly get is have as much fun as you can possibly have, making as much stuff as you possibly can. You know, and yeah. and that the experience you get from those things is gonna you know, your uh, refine your ability to then get really good notes and feedback and, mm. and start refining your work.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you kind of, you kind of stole my thunder for my second, to last question then, like, unless you have another piece of advice you want to give to the people out there listening or another nugget, you know, that you want to give a, give away that last nugget.
1: No, I mean, I mean, I think that's it, man. Yeah. Like, I think like, <laughs> I think, like that's, that, that's the key, like um, that it, at least to me, like yeah. that's like one of the main keys is is you you don't know until you do. It's mm-hmm. it's it's why I have some issues with uh, not all of them, but some video essays you see, you know, they're video essays made by people who don't make film and they're trying to analyze film, but they don't know how to do the thing that they're analyzing, but they're phrasing it in a way of here's exactly why this incredible filmmaker did this, but then you watch the director's commentary and that's not at all why they did that. And you can hear it from the director's mouth. Um, So that's why I'm always like with people with stuff like that, I'm always like, you know, take it from a grain of salt. Understand this is not a film lecture. This is somebody analyzing their subjective viewpoint of mm. their viewing experience, which is interesting for that. Yeah. Um, but it's rarely, you know, it's rarely uh, positioned that way. It's rarely positioned at mm-hmm. here as here's my subjective anal uh, uh, analyzing of, of, of this thing through yeah. you know me as a viewer. It's here's how to make a film. It feels like. Yeah. And um and and oftentimes it's not, you know dead on accurate it, it's kind of yeah. like why film riot to this day it's here's my opinion of this because it you know art is subjective and how you go about it is a subjective thing and there's very rarely going to be one right answer to almost any problem yeah um so you know we try to be careful to to make sure that said so you know i mean uh, do as much as possible that that uh you know, that will refine you over time. You just keep chipping away yeah. at the, the block until you get to, you know, the gems that are hidden inside of it, you know. Um, Unless you're SpongeBob SquarePants. And, balls, square being, pants. and being, being very careful about where you get your, you know, quote unquote facts. Yeah. And understand there, that there are very few hard and fast rules. And the rules that do exist are great to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can then decide if you want to stick to them yeah. or break them. I mean, I break the rules all the time. But yeah. you break them intelligently and you know why you break them because mm-hmm. they are there for a reason. There is a language to film. Um, and, you know, that's why we have all our short films right there, right mm-hmm. at the top of the channel. The idea is watch my films. If yes. you like my stuff, listen to what I have that to say. If yeah. you think I suck, you probably shouldn't listen to what <laughs> I have to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but hey, watch. watch, watch
0: continue watching.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. And b- but both of those things are entirely valid. If you yeah. hate my work, that's not the filmmaker you want to be. So you definitely shouldn't be, you know, listening to what I, I have to say, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, those, those two things, yeah. do more, do it as often as possible. I'm going to go with three, find balance in your life mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, be careful where you get, um, you know, your, your education, I suppose yeah. we can call it. And, and- maybe, you know, maybe not be careful where you get it, just <laughs> be careful how much weight you give to all of it, you know?
0: Gotcha. <laughs> I was, I'm also going to add one too that I always say on the podcast, just to reiterate: you can't be all theory and no practice. Totally. Which yeah, I take from twins, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's essentially the idea behind um, what I'm saying with like the video essays. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like it's all theory. You need to put that into practice. Mm-hmm. Does that actually work the way you
0: think it works? You yeah.
1: Know? So. Uh, because something can sound nice, like you can know a thing and not understand it. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: I, I mean, I, I, I totally get it because I, I think I have an argument with my friend about proper exposure all the time and how he's like, yeah, be properly exposed. I'm like, no, you don't really have to be properly exposed in a sense. I mean, do you really oh, have yeah. to? Cause like, yeah, there's, ton, there's tons of stuff horribly yeah. blown out that yeah. works. It's just, what are you trying to do? Or make? like the way the shadows fall to make it like, you know, like, what, like I, I, I guess I should ask him, what does he mean? Mark, if you're listening to this, which you probably are going to in the future, what do you mean by properly exposed? First of
3: all, fuck you, John. And second, if we're going to go into the topic of proper exposure, what I'm directing it to is the main subject in frame at the time, which is the goddess herself, the beautiful and sexy Margot Robbie, which she was great in Wolf of Wall Street or things that I shouldn't explain in this podcast but moving on my point is when a subject in frame is overexposed or underexposed within a histogram or a waveform monitor if it goes past the extreme points of the highlights and the shadows it's hard for the details to be brought back in the image to bring out the full potential of what you're recording as long as the foreground and the background are within reason of the waveform monitor or the histogram any colorist or anybody doing color correction or said color grading can make an image look cinematic as possible within reason of manipulating both the exposure and the color profiles of anything in the image. In this case, I rest
0: my case. So there's the, <laughs> there's a the question for you Mark. Uh, <laughs> there you go. So, uh, last thing is what's your social media if you like to give that away, which I hope you do. <laughs>
1: Sure, yeah. It's just uh, Ryan, uh, at Ryan underscore Conley on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Those are really the ones that I, I do the most.
0: Gotcha. And uh, Ryan, man, I got to thank you so much, man. I did not expect you to like answer me back at all, to be completely honest. If we're going to be honest and truthful <laughs> here, I didn't expect this at all. Because like, funny story, I'm not throwing him under the bus. D for Darius, I reached out to him as well. I've been reaching out to a whole bunch of YouTubers. And like, he told me like get some more traction. I'm like, holy shit, Ryan Conley. Fucking asked me back. I like ran around my apartment. Like literally, I was so super jazzed. You don't understand. Like I'm fangirling out at the at the end of the episode just because I have to now. Because I'm like I held this back. Like I was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm more than happy to. Yeah. I love chatting. over. Yeah. the only yeah. thing that keeps me from doing more of these is just schedule. Like, schedule understandable. People. Such a beast.
0: And, and I, but, uh, I, yeah, I totally understand happy, that. Yeah. And and I figured like he's either gonna be busy or he's gonna like not answer me. I understand he's a busy man. I'm like, all right. And then I'm like, hey, man, I'd be great. Like, yeah, I'd love to come on your podcast. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> 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 That's awesome! Uh, Thanks, man. Thank That's you a so huge much, I appreciate that <laughs> Hey, you're the hey, you're the original Gary V. Remember that. Don't ever forget <laughs> it. I, I, just if you can throw that into a film riot like video, I will be like, I will fucking. You don't understand? I'm just
1: gonna make
2: a shirt, and people
1: are gonna be like, "Man, that guy's such a
0: douche." <laughs> oh, I would, I would buy that shirt. Like, shut up. Actually, <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, again, man, thank you again, and like, thank, and guys, thank you for listening, and remember to subscribe to the podcast. We are on Spotify, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, Anchor, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher. I'm sorry that we're not on Google Podcasts. I can't figure out why we're not there. And don't ask me, and I don't have an answer. And again, again, guys, I can't do this without my Frame Chaser frame chasers and i'm just trying to bring the knowledge to all you listeners out there and i hope you're getting some great valuable information and learning something from it because we all have a story and we all go through things at the same time or at different times and i hope that the people on that are on the show keep inspiring inspiring you to chase those frames ryan welcome to the hashtag frame chaser family it is honestly i cannot thank you enough again i will never stop thanking you for the rest of your life You'll probably get (laughs) random-ass messages from me saying thank you. But, again, thank you. And, again, guys, thank you for listening. And have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. We'll catch you, actually, tomorrow on Chasing the Frame because it's NAB week. And we're doing, like, a new episode every day, especially our regularly programmed stuff as well. So, double episode's Wednesday. Today's Monday that I'm putting this out. And Tuesday, I don't know who it is yet, but stay tuned and check out. So, catch you guys next time. Thank you. Have a good one. Peace.